Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. another Talking in Comics podcast. It's Wednesday, August 28th, 2013, and it's Women in Comics Week here on the site. I'm Stephanie, and tonight I am your host, and I'm joined by Mara Wood and Melissa Megan. Hey, guys. Hi. Thank you for joining us. We've kicked the guys off the show for this week. They're doing their own thing. It's like a girls-only party. Not that, you know, we don't love you know, Bob, Bobby and Steve, but I love you guys more for this week. And usually, but, you know, I love everyone equally. I love everyone equally. Wow. Yes. We're off to a good start. You're breaking off the white Zinfandel. <laughs> Ooh, so good. So, hmm, welcome again. And um, in case you guys haven't noticed, we've had lots of content going up on the site. Um we had an interview with um, Andrea Letamendi, who is Arkham Asylum doc, and she gives us a profile of some of our favorite comic creators behind the scenes. And uh, yesterday we had an interview with Kelly Sudaconic and Emma Rios go up on the site. So if you haven't checked those out yet, please do so and support our Women in Comics Week. We're very, very excited about it. Yay. So on that note, What's everyone been up to? Anyone? Anything good happen on your weekends? <laughs> well, I've just been, um, I have my doctoral comps and quals. If you listen to um, comics and coffee, I pretty much complain about them every episode. Uh, so I've just been studying and it's, it's not fun. But I have one more year of coursework done, then a year of internship, and then y'all have to call me Dr. Wood. <laughs> kind of exciting, actually. It kind of sounds like a porn name. Feels... Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> I maybe, feel like okay, you have to wear. <laughs> I feel like you have to wear glasses a lot and push them up your nose, like. Oh, <laughs> believe me, I I have ruined my eyesight from grad school. I am I'm I just turned twenty four, and I was put in bifocals last year, because of the amount of reading I've had to do this pa- these past few years, and um. Back in June, I had to get my prescription up to, again, less than less than six months from the original bifocal prescription. So uh, no. I wear pretty big glasses. Uh, <laughs> There's I'm no so other blind. option left. I totally <laughs> never wear my glasses. I should wear them, and I squint at people all the time. And it, it's just <laughs> one of those things where I always forget them. And everyone's like, why don't you just wear them? You don't look bad in glasses. Just wear them. And I'm always like not that I didn't want to it's just that I forgot them they're like well then maybe you should just like not take them off except for at bedtime and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> whatever but you know like you do mm-hmm. I had 
the madness that is Fan Expo in Toronto this weekend, which is why my voice is a bit like, Bleh. I don't know what that <laughs> so was. Sexy. Were you Thanks screaming for- a lot? <laughs> no, but um, like it's a four day show. So first of all, like usually I think the last few shows I've been to have been like two day shows. And, you know, I work with Bill and behind the table, it's very minimal interaction with the people, the fans, because they mostly want to talk to Bill, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole weekend, I worked at Agnes Garboska's booth, and she she's doing all these covers for My Little Pony, and she did Red Sonia variants. So it was just like nonstop people, right? And so she's sketching the whole weekend and doing commissions. So basically, I was the face of her table, so I was talking to everybody. But there was like never a moment when people weren't there. So it was just constantly like, hey, how can I help you? The small prints are uh, $5 or four for 15. And these big prints are $20 or two for 30 and blah, blah, blah. And I was like doing like a pitch to everybody and letting them know like every three seconds. And everyone, her fans are amazing. But I talked so much. So much. I'll teach you. I know. (laughs) Never talk again. I know. (laughs) And then all these people are like, it's like, there's stuff going on after. Want to come out? And I'm like, no, I don't. But it, it was a lot of fun. I actually wound up meeting a bunch of Talking Comic fans, which was super cool. Um, one of our fans came from Malta. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he helps run Malta Comic Con. So um, his name was Christopher, and he came, and he brought his whole family, and I got to meet him and his whole family. We got a picture in which I made like a totally weird face because I'm not capable of making normal faces for photos. If any of you have seen my face on Twitter or Facebook, it's just a series of like awkward smiles and whatever. Anyways, (laughs) and then I met another fan named Ken and another fan um, named Mike and Andrew too. And it was so cool to just talk to them and be like, hey, and catch up. Although I'm like flailing and doing all these dramatic arm gestures and being like, la la la. And like, I shit you not. I would randomly like, when I ran out of words, I would just meow. I'd be like, oh, meow. (laughs) (laughs) It was so weird. (laughs) And then if somebody found me outside of the booth, I found myself like doing these weird lunges. I'd like lunge forward and be like, and I was like, what am I doing? Why? (laughs) So that was a thing that happened. But you were rocking some really great dresses. It's true. My friend Danny runs a um, Suckers Apparel, and she put me in a ton of her swag for the weekend. She had um, the amazing Hawkeye dress. My friend uh, Fred, who's really named Nicole, um, sported one too. And Matt Fraction and Will Whedon and David Aja all saw it and commented on it. So I kind of felt like they were commenting on my dress by proxy too. They like it. They really like it. And she put me in Captain Marvel leggings and um, Batgirl leggings. And there was something else I wore, but I can't remember. So she's got some really great stuff going. She really does. Seriously, if any of if there are ladies listening, she's making all kinds of comic book inspired things. And um, the site's just about to launch. But you can follow her uh, on Twitter at Suckers Apparel, all one word. Really actually. She's designing something for me to wear for New York Comic Con. <gasps> That's so exciting. Top secret. Stay tuned for more. 
she's seriously amazing. And um, yeah, so I think I think we've all rambled a little bit. Bobby's gonna have fun editing this. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so I suppose since you know we're on the women's and women's women in comics podcast, women's and in comics, women's in comics. <laughs> we should maybe talk about some comics, but before we get to that comic-related news to start things off. So, I think we all know the biggest news to kind of, you know, hit the internet and to have the internet explode, other than oh. Miley Cyrus. We're not going to talk about Miley Cyrus. <laughs> um, With Ben Affleck getting signed up to be Batman. I'm pretty sure everyone knows about it by now. If not, he's living under a rock and you should probably consider moving. But I just want to let's let's hear some thoughts on this, Melissa. Oh boy, Affleck. How do we uh, feel about it? I'm not excited about it, but I'm a big Christian Bale fan, and I'm a big fan of his, you know, Dark Knight. So it, for me, it's kind of a hard act to follow to begin with. But I want to say, um, I feel like everybody was really super critical of the idea of Heath Ledger joining the Joker as well. And he obviously blew everybody's minds on that. So, you know, I'm a little bit, I hesitate to just totally write him off and say this can't happen and it's not going to be great because I feel like, you know, you just can't do that. Um, we know nothing else about it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't picture him there right now. I think we mm -hmm. all have bad memories of uh, Daredevil. <laughs> So, us. although to be fair, the worst thing out of that was not Ben Affleck. Electra. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say I can't. All I can think about right now is Electra for some reason. <laughs> but I mean, Colin Farrell was in that. He rocked that sort of in a weird costume, but he was awesome. Yeah. You think Mara? Colin Farrell could be a good Batman? I think a Colin Farrell could be a good anything. That's true. I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, I would. Same with, like, Michael Fassbender. Even if Michael Fassbender played Wonder Woman, I'd watch it. Oh, he'd make such a good Wonder Woman. <laughs> he'd make such a good anything. He would definitely have to shave his legs. <laughs> would he? he? I bet you he probably just has, like, silky legs or something. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't grow hair on his legs because he's that perfect. Exactly. Or he can just, like, magically get rid of it. To play any role. And by magically, I mean not shave it or wax it. It just disappears because he's Michael Fassbender. I don't know what we're talking about. Where are we going with this? I don't know. Mara, how do we feel about Batfleck? Um, well, I discovered the other uh, the, uh, I discovered the other day the only movie I saw Ben Affleck in was um, Daredevil. Um, and I guess Shakespeare in Love, but I don't even remember him in that movie. He was in so, yeah, I, I mean, we looked at the Wikipedia um, page of it. Anyway, I honestly have no opinion this way or that on whether or not he'd make a good Batman. I'll go see the movie still. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm not going in with any expectations. Um, he's definitely not who I pictured. I mean, I kind of have... I don't have a set image of who I see Batman is because the comics... He's always drawn differently, and we've had so many Batman over the years. 
that, you know, it can really just, there's just a ton of faces to him. Mm-hmm. He's not really my ideal Bruce Wayne either, but I mean, you know, Daredevil, not so great. One of my guilty pleasures watch when I'm kind of feeling in a silly mood kind of movie. But I think over the years, he's really grown as an actor and he might not have the look, but he's gotten significantly better at acting. So there's a lot of promise for the for him in the role, I think. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people saying that they can see him doing Bruce Wayne really well, but it's the Batman side that is, you know, it doesn't seem to match up. I mean, is he going to have, like, Christian Bale throat cancer? <laughs> I am the knight. I don't know what that was. That was horrible. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Well, in that case, I don't apologize for it. You should be Batman. I think I should. Problem solved. Yeah. Guys, Warner, me, I'm up in Canada. Doesn't matter. I'm fine. I, do, I, have, I, I want to throw in a vote for John Hamm, though. Right? Oh, well, I want him to be Superman. I want him to be Superman. No, he's too yeah, rough he can be to both. be Superman. Phil Noto did this amazing illustration of John Hamm as Superman. I'm just like, yep, I'm, I'm down for that. I'd like to see that. I will send it to you. <laughs> well, moving on to other things, and speaking of Canada, or not, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, while I was at Fan Expo this weekend, I got like 500 tweets from everybody that was like, hey, Steph, do you know that there's going to be a Justice League of Canada? And at first I thought people were like joking. And then I realized it was an actual thing that's happening. So I'm sure you guys may or may not have an opinion Mm -hmm. on this, but um, DC Comics is doing the Justice League of Canada and it's going to be written by Jeff Lemire. And he's basically, he says he wants to create a cool, Rural, rural, Northern Ontario headquarters for Justice League Canada. Sorry, I had this moment where, like, if you watch 30 Rock, there's the rural juror. And anyways, whatever. (laughs) Anyways, I thought of that briefly. But, so, the headquarters isn't going to be a hockey rink, he says. But apparently Jeff Lemire considered that. Um, And he went on to say, it's not going to be like Alpha Flight, as we're not creating a very, a bunch we're not creating a bunch of very Canadian characters. Like those characters are almost all cliched Canadian archetypes. Uh, This is still very much set in the regular Justice League universe and the team will have some bigger named superheroes, but they will actually be located in Canada now. And there will be a couple of new members who are Canadian, which I feel like makes sense Mm -hmm. because it's Justice League of Canada. So (laughs) do you guys have any thoughts on this? Um, I did. Gonna read I it. Do. Check it out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Take and what it away. Thoughts. <laughs> Take it away, Mara. Um, well, for one, I have not been reading Justice League of America. I am familiar with the book to a certain degree, though. I think it's a good move having a more international-like feel to a major comic book like this because. As American comic book readers, we get so um, egocentric in what we think our heroes should do or who our heroes should serve. And although Canada is not, it doesn't seem too international to us as American readers, it's still opening your eyes to a wider um, population, I guess. Uh, 
more people to save, more issues to deal with, um, you know, truth, justice, and the international way. way. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, I'm hoping that it will open the door to more comic books that take place overseas. Cause I would love, I would love to see, um, a comic book, American made comic book about European issues or even Asian issues or Middle East that doesn't paint such a negative picture, but just a hero working within that culture. Maybe they could have a Justice League manga. I would read that. Because you know <laughs> they would draw Batman so cute. It would be really adorable. Um, Melissa, did you have any thoughts on it? It seems like it would be pretty challenging for any country to write a comic about another country without it being rife with stereotypes. You know, just right. especially from especially from an American artist or writer because we're Americans are just terrible about stereotypes and well, Jeff Lemire does live in Toronto, and he is a Canadian writer that grew up in the middle of nowhere. So, okay. I mean, he's the only one who could pull it off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we all have read something, if not everything, by Jeff Lemire. Mm-hmm. And as far as picking a writer for the job, I think they couldn't have gotten themselves someone better or more perfect because I think he knows how to write it to kind of make it fun, but still serious, but make those characters. You know, like, I think for Canadians, there'll be little, like, jabs you can take without kind of taking away from the serious issues of the book, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to know if, if this was his idea or if it was DC's idea. I don't know that. I suspect that it was maybe maybe a mix. Like, maybe it was pitched mm-hmm. to, them, to them and they were like, this could be awesome. This could be fun. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff Lemire has been doing some awesome work for them and boosting like a ton of sales on books. So maybe this Uh was one of those things where they were like, just do what he wants. Just do what he wants. Keep him here. (laughs) Yeah. Keep him happy. Let him, you know, let the creativity flow. So maybe it'll be a passion project for him. It's going to be interesting to see what characters they actually use too. Yeah. I don't know. Wolverine. Wait, no. (laughs) 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 That's the only only Canadian superhero I can think of. Wrong company. <laughs> no, that was the that was the extent of my understanding on this whole issue when you first mentioned it. I thought Wolverine's a Canadian. That's <laughs> uh, it. <laughs> well, well, whoops. Oh, all right. Well, speaking of Marvel, um, we also had some news that Marvel Unlimited Plus just launched or is launching. Um, so basically, this is an annual subscription fee of a hundred or sorry, ninety nine dollars. And it gets you um, in this specific launch kit. I guess they probably will change up over time. But for the initial launch kit, you get a collectible plus member kit, which includes an exclusive AU variant Ultron figure, variant comic and more. 15% off the Marvel Digital Comic Shop and 10% off MarvelStore.com every day. Um, Members only events and merchandise merchandise at cons and more. Plus, you get instant access to over 13,000 digital comics that would be available on iPhone, iPad, select Android devices, and on the web. So, I guess this is kind of like, you know, PS3, like PlayStation Plus, those kind of things, but for comics. Um, This is kind of the first I heard about it. 
because apparently I don't read enough news. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. Do you, would any well, of you have guys you, subscribe have you, to this? Well, have oh. you have you looked at Marvel Unlimited itself? I don't know about the plus. Okay, well, I have I have access to Marvel Unlimited. Okay. Um, my husband paid for half a subscription, split it with another friend, so that we'd have it on a couple of different iPads. And while it's not as easy to move through the digital comics as it is on Comixology's app, it's wonderful having that many back issues in your hand. Um, Are they good? I mean, yeah, like there's okay. like almost every X Men comic I wanted to read was on there. That's awesome. So like all the Chris Claremont stuff, I just went on there and read it. Um, Brian Michael Bendis' Spider Woman was on there, and to my understanding, with Marvel Unlimited, um, new issues appear on it after six months publication. So, you know, you're, you're a little bit behind if you're looking for new issues. So it may not be the way to go if you have to be you know, right there when an issue comes out. But um, Marvel Unlimited, I think, is $70 or $75 a year. Okay. And for that much money to be able to have kind of a library of comics, it's great. You don't own them. You're not buying them. You you can hold six on your iPad, um, but you have unlimited access with wireless. Okay, that's not so bad then. I mean, I guess it makes sense too if you go to a lot of conventions and buy a lot of swag because it gives you a pretty. Mm -hmm. I mean, fifteen percent or ten percent off aren't like significant discounts, but they do add up. Like the savings would add up over time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And as far as plus, I guess it's just for the the hardcore Marvel fan. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I don't I don't see use for for myself. Um. But, I mean, there's a market out there for it. Because otherwise, why would they put it out there? Definitely. Um, Melissa, have you tried any of these online subscription sites or anything? Um, I use Comixology quite a bit. But, you know, that's not really a subscription. Mm -hmm. um, my, I mean, my first thought about this, and of course, you know I don't really read much Marvel. But how are they going to, you know, let's be honest. A lot of people have access to comics through illegal and non-paying methods. And uh, how are they going to get people? It seems like the only the only real benefit out of this kind of program would be for um, the discounts, like you said, people that like to buy swag at shows and things like that and get discounts. But it's it's kind of a tough service to. It's kind of like you know, kind of like just like TV subscriptions for things like Netflix and stuff like that. I mean, everything's mm -hmm. accessible free now, mm -hmm. yeah. so they they've got to have a way to sell it to people to make them feel like it's worth it to you know pay i mean 70 dollars a year is good if you're actually buying your comics but if you're somebody who's you know downloading your comics somewhere else and you're not paying for them mm -hmm. why you know, do it what right what's the benefit of that which you know again let's be honest a lot of people are doing that <laughs> yeah well as far as downloading comics illegally um i know people who who do it because they have no other way to access it mm -hmm. um, okay like there's there hasn't been, you know, you can't just go to your comic shop and find exactly the issue you're looking for. Right. It, it's nearly, it's nearly impossible, especially with older stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and that's, that's part of the reason why we've paid for Marvel Unlimited because we like having the back issues, you know, all those, the back issues and being able to go back. I mean, we use it for reference a lot. Mm -hmm. um, that's awesome. My, my husband's kind of 
weird. Um, <laughs> but you love him anyways. I love him anyway. Hi, honey. <laughs> um, where if he he wants to know everything he can about one character or one subject. So he goes back and reads the first appearance and reads uh, major events in the character's life. And if you're that kind of comic book fan, mm-hmm. you, you can't keep up with it financially. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you like Marvel and you like Marvel characters, then it, it's really it's really doable. I mean, $70, $70 or $99 a year sounds like a lot of money all at once. But considering that you can go and read almost any Marvel comic you want, it's a it's a good deal. I mean, realistically, too, that's less than ten dollars a month, mm-hmm. right? So, it just I, seems like a bit of a niche market, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. I mean, if you have major collectors, they've already got those back issues in their collection. Mm-hmm. You know, I think too, like it'll be one of those things where you're definitely right, where a lot of like the variant stuff that they'd be getting and the con discounts and member only events will be the things that really draw specific fans into the membership i think i just said membership a lot Oops. it worked it's okay Whatever. anyone else have anything else they'd like to add to marvel unlimited plus discussion i would definitely do something like that if they came up with it for um you know for if it was a general subscription program like that for other publishers mm-hmm. For like consology, yeah. maybe. For like, yeah, like Image and Vertigo and all that stuff that I read, you know, I would definitely mm-hmm. do something like that because I can't afford to buy paper comics anymore. So I'm just, you know, I'm always buying digital stuff and I would love to have back issues of tons of things mm-hmm. that I've missed and I haven't had a chance to read. Well, maybe something it- like this will lead into other mm-hmm. things. Like, again, like comicology, maybe they'll do some sort of thing where it's like 13,000 comics from various publishers. And, you know, we'll give you an additional, like, X amount of indie comics, too, from something like our Comixology Submit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it might be digital incentives, but hopefully maybe it'll pave the way for other companies to try these out and see how Mm -hmm. it goes. I would love to see this kind of service for Vertigo. Mm. Can you just imagine, like, having all of Sandman and everything attached to it? All of Why the Last Man and Constantine, sorry, Hellblazer, what it's called. But having those comics at your hand that you can just go and read them. That'd be yeah. cool. And imagine the uh, the financial benefit for, you know, independent creators, too, if they could get it on yeah. that. And it would be something, too, where families can get, like, everyone into comics. You know, like, mm-hmm. parents can get, can load up certain comics on their kids' iPads or whatever and they can read comics and get into things too and it's a way for families to share you know stuff that they love with like their next generation i think we just came mm-hmm. up with a new business let's not talk any more about this copyright publicly. copyright talking <laughs> comics <laughs> i know we, we're bobby delete this bit we're we have a business thing going on i like how whatever he's probably not ever going to listen are you listening we're gonna move on for now and i have one refreshments i know we need alcohol oh i've got alcohol oh you're lucky i'm thinking if i like drank anything i'd be like hey guys like my voice would just be dead i'm not gonna miss an opportunity when i have like two hours to sit alone in a room (laughs) then i can have a drink mommy's quiet time all your mommy's quiet time 
We've got one more little thing, and I don't know if any of you are reading this, but I've got one more piece of news before we move on to our books of the week. So um, Five Ghosts just got announced that it's going to become an ongoing series. So Five Ghosts is from Image Comics. Um, I don't know if any of you are reading it, but uh, the first volume, I think, The Haunting of Fabian Gray follows the story of the infamous treasure hunter Fabian Gray. Fabian? Whatever. Who, after being bewitched by the mysterious power of the Dreamstone, must battle the unwieldy power of the five archetypal go oh, I'm so out of words ghosts that both both possess and guide him lost in forgotten cities Fabian faces enemy shadows in a mesmerizing series riddled with literary illusions <laughs> so I don't know if anyone's read it I've been collecting them haven't read it yet but this is going to be an ongoing series and issue six is going to be hitting stores on October 30th anyone have either of you checked it out yet? I've actually reviewed um, all issues of this for Talking oh. Comics. Well, it shows I knew that. Yep. Carry on. <laughs> How do you feel um, about this? It's a it's a really great series. My actually my last uh, my review of issue number five. My big critique was that it didn't feel like a closure issue. There was no closure to the story at all. It just kind of left you hanging with everything. Which now that makes sense. You know that they're going to continue it. Um, but otherwise, it's a really great issue. It's it's kind of like, a, how did I describe it? It's sort of, it's like Indiana Jones with black magic. It's, Very nice. It's fun, right. like adventure and, you know, uh, lots of different villains and, but, but a lot of, a lot of magic. Nice. It's really fun. I All think right. it's, I think it's a really great series. I think it'll do well. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. great to hear. I, I've heard great things about it. It's just like I'm so behind on everything as per usual. But that's the last of the news. Mari, you said you didn't read it, right? No, I've been saving it. <laughs> yeah, same here. Well, you've got the first arc now completed, or yes. it's available. And I'm sure it'll be out in trade soon. I don't think it's out. It's not out already. Anyways, but it will be back for uh, issue six and, you know, more after that in the fall. Yeah, so, can I just say that the artwork is really unique. It's very kind of like retro feeling. It's it really, um, it's done by Chris Mooneyham. Okay. And, who actually sort of working into our women in comics thing, he worked on um, the first issue of, uh, oh God, what is it? Rachel Deering's comic. Oh, um, I'm having ooh, a look at us. Yeah, I'm having a brain fart right now. Anathema, or Anit, and I don't know how you say it. We, that. That is it, I'm sure. I would trust yeah. you. Her werewolf uh, comic. Oh. But yeah, he did a little bit of artwork for that. But the art is really cool. It's very, it feels very kind of like 60s, you know? It's got a cool, like, retro feel to it, but it's really nice. It's different. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to move into books of the week now. Um, I think, let's see. Mara, do you want to start things off? Sure. Uh, I didn't get to read a whole lot of comics this week because of uh, classes starting, work kicking up, and studying and dissertation. But I did read all new X, or sorry, um, X-Men by Brian okay. Wood. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, it's so good. That series, I haven't, I haven't had a problem with it. And usually I have a problem with a comic series. Like there's something that gets underneath my skin. 
But if Brian Wood can make me like Jubilee for the first time in my life, then it's a good book. I admit, I really actually didn't mind Jubilee in this book. Um, and there's a new penciler. Like, it's not Oliver Olive, Olivier Copiel anymore. Yeah. It's David Lopez mm-hmm. now. And the faces Still good. are so weird in it, though. Like, mm-hmm. most of them are fine. And then there's, and I won't spoil it again, but, like, there's a couple pages with Rogue. <laughs> and her face, she just looks crazy. I'm just like, what is going on? Why does she look like she needs to be in a straight jacket? Like, she looks like the crazy cat lady from The Simpsons where she's like, <laughs> like throwing She things. is a little like, strange. What's going on with these? What is happening here? I'm pointing to my mm-hmm. face, by the way. Everyone who can't see me being like, what is happening here? Specifically. <laughs> but I don't know. But this, this particular issue was a really good blend of um, action and some, you know, emotional moments. Real emphasis I, on family. And if, if you're familiar with Jubilee and Wolverine, you know that um, he kind of took her under his wing as mm-hmm. one of his his lady protégés. Mm-hmm. From the cover, you can see, like, Jubilee's been going through some tough times lately. Um, her decision to keep uh, Shogo, I think it's his mm-hmm. name. Yeah, it, it's just kind of, it's just looking at the cover, you're like, oh, she's going to her dad's arms. Like, she needs, just needs that, needs to take him home. Um, Melissa, did you read this? I did not. Okay. Well, the I only thing know. I know about Jubilee is that you would like her to be killed off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Bingo. I know how you feel about Jubilee. That's all I well, know. <laughs> I don't like hate her, but like they asked me, it was a question. I had to pick someone. <laughs> um, my only problem with this book was that I felt, I don't know. They took this, a huge chunk of the book to talk to have this like cat fight between Rachel and oh, Storm, yeah. and mm-hmm. the rest of the story. And again, Mar, you're like bang on. For once, I was I felt such a connection to Jubilee, and I was like, she's such a real character to me right now. And what mm-hmm. she's trying to do for Shogo and this trip she's taking with Shogo and Wolverine was really emotionally touching. And the action with mm-hmm. Rogue and Psylocke and Kitty Pride was amazing. But then they had this really stupid fight between Rachel and like Storm. It was seriously like a cat fight in which they don't really talk things out like adults. They just kind of take turns throwing these low blows at each other and just being like really shitty human beings or mutants, yep. mutant beings. And like I felt like that really was this first moment where I saw this book and was like, "Wow. No." It was a moment, too, that made me think, if this book starts to go downhill from there, like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It just felt like they put that in there for the sake of putting it in there. It didn't feel like it had any real purpose. I feel like Storm has always unofficially been, if not like the leader, one of one of the leaders of the X-Men. I don't right. think there's any debate in this. And there was this big qualm over whether or not Storm was capable of leading things. And I just wanted to be like, really? Why is this even in here? Why is this an issue? Why are we fighting about this? So. Well, I was kind of, I kind of looked at it as, yeah, you have to have a power struggle when you put it together a team. And if mm-hmm. you don't explicitly say Storm is in charge because X, Y, and Z. And, 
you know, it's just like the whole, you know, Cyclops versus Wolverine versus Magneto versus Xavier, like all these people, different ideals. It would have been nice to know more about Rachel and where she's coming from on this issue. Because, of course, like she she had mentioned that her her big beef was whether an action storm was willing to take. Mm -hmm. And, And yeah, that makes sense. But why argue about it right now? Exactly. They had to clear the air at the most inopportune time. And then... Like, poor, like, poor rogues out there. No. <laughs> like, nearly dead. <laughs> I know. But, like, the whole... Storm's the headmistress of the... Right? Isn't she? Right. Yeah. So I just... stepped down to work with the new... Yeah. The new kids. To, like, train them and all, all that. To be more, like, yeah. hands-on. And mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like... No one ever questioned whether Charles was in charge when he ran things. So why would you question the person who runs things? Oh, you're not no. in charge? Um, no, I feel like she kind of is. She kind of really is. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. What, what I would never question Storm. <laughs> what you're describing right now is kind of exactly what turns me off about a lot of hero comics and why I don't read them very often. That, mm-hmm. that just kind of like, you know, silly like nonsensical shallow sort of drama like everybody kind of nitpicking at each other and always being jealous or annoyed with somebody you know it's not real drama it's just kind of like silly annoying stuff that yeah and i felt like what i deal with at work i don't want to read that in a comic book (laughs) no Ugh, i just felt like they went out of their way to make it like a really weird girly catty fight too there was no hair pulling or anything and there was no physical violence, but it still just felt really stereotypical, stereotypically feminine and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bitchy. Totally. And yeah. why would people and passive want, aggressive? Right. Why would mutants with superpowers need to be bitchy and passive aggressive? Exactly. And I, again, we're doing like a lot of, we're skirting around, what was going on because I don't think any of us want to spoil it for people who haven't read it yet. But, and this is apparently this one to four are the collection of like what'll be in the first volume. So mm-hmm. I don't know where this will go from here, but I honestly wasn't too thrilled with this particular portion. Mm-hmm. Anyways, whoops, I kind of hijacked your discussion on X-Men. No, you did a great job. <laughs> Anyways, did you have another, any other books you wanted to talk about Mara? Unless, did um, anyone else have anything else they wanted to say about the X-Men book? I no. Didn't. As far as, as far as single issues, that was, that was the, the one that stood out most to me this week. Okay. And did you read, did you read anything else? Did you, I think? <sighs> I'm thinking. It's been, it's been so long. It's been a whole week. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I read anything else besides that i know well, y'all take my nerd card away no way you are like you're gonna be dr wood we can't take away your nerd. Let's hope. <laughs> you're gonna be two more years of us two all <laughs> anyways let's move on for now so if you think of anything else you know you can chime in mm-hmm. um but we'll move on to melissa what are your books of the week um i have a question first <laughs> so is it, are we talking like books that we read last week that were awesome or books that we're looking forward to this week that were awesome or 
Um, books Wait, that we've read. Okay. You can throw in something you're excited about if you want. Okay. Um, well, I mean, my last book of the week would probably be, um, oh, geez, would be a uh, 10 grand number four. Nice. Um, I, that one is always really, really exciting for me. It's, you know, it's Ben Temple Smith, which he's, uh, been a favorite artist of mine for probably, I don't know, six years or something. Um, and it's just a really, really cool, unique, different, uh, creepy story. So I don't know if you guys read any of that 10 grand. I've read, I think the first two issues of it, maybe three, but at least one or two of it. And I love it so far. It kind of has this, um, I don't know. It kind of seemed a bit like green wake a bit to me <laughs> in a, not like in a, I don't know. It just had like hints of it, but I love, I think it might be the art style and I'm really enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, really cool. What um, happens? What's, what? I, I kind of forget what's happening. I know there that he's, the whole premise of it is kind of, he does these things so that he can have, moments with his sweet right well the idea is that he um he was a a mob enforcer and um he made a deal with his boss he fell in love with this woman laura and he made a deal with his boss that he would do one more job and after that he would get out and the last job turned out to be with this um guy who does super powerful you know black magic demonic stuff and um ended up killing him and his fiance and during his last job um, and an angel comes and gives him, makes a deal with him and says, Hey, if you work for us and you do a uh, righteous work for us, every time you die, you'll get five minutes to spend with Laura. Um, so he keeps coming back and having to basically chase down, you know, people who work with the dark arts for this angel. And every time he dies, he gets to spend five minutes with his love in heaven. Um, nice. So it's really romantic, but it's also really, gross it's dark <laughs> yeah it's very dark a there's dark a, there's romance a of, yeah yeah um and basically what's happening right now is uh someone um he does a job which turns out to be the man who killed he and his fiance who is somehow still roaming the earth just like he is um and this guy figures out how to get to laura and send her to hell Oh no. So yeah, so she's not she's not in a safe place anymore and he's still, you know, and he's got to figure out now not only how to get this guy and send him away for good, but he's got to figure out how to save his fiance. Oh, very cool. Mm. So, I like it. Right. I need to catch up. I have like I have the extra issues that I haven't read on my iPad. So, I I'm going to like after this, I'm going to relax. I'm going to I'm going to read that. <laughs> that's, that's a thing I'm going to do. Did you have a chance to read anything else? Or what is this comic you were excited about? Well, the one I'm excited about this week, um, well, tomorrow, is uh, Lazarus. I don't oh. know if you guys have been reading that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Greg Rucka. yeah, Lazarus number three is this week. And yeah. I think this is a really kick-ass story. Um, and it's excellent for women in comics because this is a you know story about um, a particularly strong woman protagonist um, who is... Uh, well, she's genetically modified so that she can kick ass even better. 
but (laughs) she also has, you know, she has emotional issues with the things that she's required to do for her family. And so it's a little bit more complex of a character, which is really refreshing to see instead of just, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a superwoman who has extra powers and she can kick guys asses everywhere. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of it in issue one and two, we don't really have a lot of answers, but a lot of things have been hinted at so far. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has like a very, um, almost sort of Shakespearean tone to it. Like the actual story. There's just a lot of. I could see that. Like, you mean like with the families and kind of the rivalries? Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah. And I've been really enjoying it, but you kind of, what I like about it is that it's subtle enough right now that it leaves you thinking and wondering what could possibly come next and what's really going on. And, all that, but they're giving you, they're still giving you lots to work with in terms of the characters and, you know, the world that these characters yeah. are living in at the moment. So, yeah, definitely. I kind of like a story that a slow world building component to it. Because um, it, it gives its audience a lot more credit than some stories that tell you everything right up front. Mm-hmm. And Stop with Lazarus, you. it's... Yeah, it's like you don't need the full origin story right now. Trust us, you're going to understand everything when the story's over. And that's where the payoff comes. Totally. It it definitely takes skill to pull that off, you know, to not lose people. Oh, yeah. You have to give Mm -hmm. just enough to keep everybody hanging. And I think it would, it's one of those books where it kind of has to be written by a pre established writer or it has to have another big name attached to it to kind of keep readers there. Because it's like one of those books, it's not quite as dense as I'd say like a Hickman book, but it's up there where there's just all these big ideas. And if you didn't have that big name where you're like, oh, like Joe Schmo, how's he going to pull this off? We don't have any experience with his writing whatsoever. Like, I don't right. know how he's going to possibly do this. I'll maybe come back to this one out in trade. But with like Greg Rucka, you know, like, you know what his writing's like, and you know that there's going to be big payoff for everything if you stick with it. So, mm-hmm. definitely. One of the things I talked about in my reviews for this that I really love about this book is, I mean, we're only three issues in, and they've built so much complexity in the characters already. Each mm-hmm. one of these characters has their own, like, little quirks and little things that's wrong with them, and, you know, so they've really built up a lot already without giving away everything. It's, it's really amazing writing. Awesome. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? I, oh, sorry. Sorry, Mara. I must say, I remembered one that I, I read this week. I just yeah, got yeah. so mad about it, I repressed it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, we are allowed to it was, rant? It, it's Wonder Woman. Uh-oh. And, I haven't read this, uh-oh. so you might be on your own for your rant, but go on and go for uh, it. I, I can't rant about it because it, it's such a huge spoiler, and it just made me so, so mad, like physically ill reading it. Oh no! <sighs> yeah, oh. you might no, enjoy no. it. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't have words for it. It, it was so. I don't, so I don't we know. don't like where Wonder Woman is gone. I don't. I'm still. You know, I keep waiting. I've bought every issue. I've read it every month. I, I I'm still. I just. I. I can't wait for DC to say, oh, let's erase everything that happened in New 52 and go back to normal. Mm. 
Yeah. No, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Kind of fallen off Wonder Woman. So that's kind of even more discouraging. I have like the back issues. <laughs> now it's like one of those yeah. books where I kind of am reluctantly being like, well, catch up eventually, but it keeps on getting put at the back yeah. of the pile. Yeah. Well, I almost dropped it completely. Oh, no. Which, well, which is a big deal for me because I love the, the character and I just got so fed up that I didn't put on my subscription list. And my husband was like, aren't you supposed to be, a, aren't you a Wonder Woman fan? Aren't you supposed to be a fan of Wonder Woman? Like, I can be a fan of the character without liking the writer. Mm-hmm. Just like, well, we're going to get it anyway because you might change your mind later. I'm like, that's not, oh, fine. But, yeah. I, I was, I'm not happy with one particular issue of that, the latest installment. Uh, well, you heard it here, folks. Mara does not like Wonder Woman anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the DC 52 Wonder Woman. There you go. That, that's better. <laughs> um, anything else you guys want to talk about before I like list off the things? Anyone? Good. Go list. Good ones. Wait, All are right. we listing and then talking well, after? I like lists. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to talk about a couple of things I read. So, obviously I read, like, X-Men. I actually got around to reading, like, a couple old things. Like, I read the, one of the Avengers Origins story. I read Ant-Man and the Wasp, which had, like, really beautiful art, but it was kind of a weird story. It was all over the place. Like, it just kind of gave you little bits and pieces of the story. It's like, this day, da-da-da, this day, da-da-da, this day. And, like, it was really pretty, so I read it till the end. And the story was mostly pretty cool and gave me a little insight into the characters, a little more insight. But it was more of a focus on Janet and Hank's love and how they kind of came to be together as opposed to their actual real, you know, origins as superheroes, although they do touch on that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> additionally, I read, finally got around to reading Ren Sonia, which is awesome. Um, yeah. I read X Factor 261, which again, I, if you guys have read any of these, chime in. I just kind of, you know, it's it's the second to last issue for X Factor before they, it's canceled. Um, and these stories, I'm honestly not enjoying them. They kind of just feel mm-hmm. like they feel like wasted pages to me. There's so much more story that he could be, Peter David could be giving us with these last little bits of X Factor. But he's just, I feel like the actual story is what anyone else would use as a backup story. Kind of like he's phoning it in. Yeah. It just feels cheap. And I wish that this series would be, would go out with a bigger bang than this. It just feels pointless. And I feel like I'm losing all of the love that I had for this series and all that sadness I had that it's going away. Now I kind of just feel like, yeah, I'm not going to miss this. <laughs> so, I don't know. <sighs> I finally got around to reading Sheltered. Um, did either of you read that? I have. Okay, did you read both issues? I have. I really like it. It's weird and creepy and strange and twisted, but I like it. It's definitely creepy. It's got a weird sort of like tenseness to it. Mm-hmm. It's and for any of you who haven't read it yet, it's basically the story of these. It's a, 
bill it as like the tagline is pre-apocalyptic story. Is that, am I right? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Um, and it's these people who are kind of gearing up for the apocalypse and, you know, building these shelters and getting ready for bad things to come that they don't necessarily know are coming. And the, the kids, there's kids and there's parents and the kids kind of get together and they do some bad shit. And, um, the apocalypse comes from within. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the story kind of deals with the consequences of what the kids do, at least so far. And, you know, I imagine it'll be a bit of a survival story shortly. But it feels it feels a little bit like Children of the Corn. Yes. Anybody remembers that old movie? <laughs> I'm aging <laughs> myself like right now. Day. Oh, shush. <laughs> shush, shush, shush. Uh, it's like it's like Children of the Corn versus Lord of the Flies. Yes. <laughs> it is. Stuff and things. Oh man. Oh, I'm rambling. There's so much rambling. I feel a little bit like it's still kind of it's still a little bit up in the air. Like it could go downhill from here if they don't mm-hmm. kind of keep if they don't keep the tension moving, you know? Yeah. Could um, kind of fall apart, but And there's I mean, there's only a couple places the story can really go from the second issue at least and i'm interested to see like what route exactly they take um because it could be one of those books where an apocalypse never really happens again it could be just one of those things where they're making their own personal apocalypse or like shit actually happens Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Um, or they could just completely focus on the relationship between the two main characters um i can't think of the names right now but the the girl who's father you know she's a newly arrived to the compound Haley, Haley and Victoria Victoria yep and then the boy who leads the uh, rebellion of sorts mm-hmm. I want to say Nathan but I don't think that's it yeah the main charismatic Lucas. leader Lucas that's right yeah they could yeah. just kind of focus on their relationship and their kind of battle for control you know mm-hmm. um, it's interesting and I think it's it kind of fills um, a void in like what comics are out there. Like we don't really have, well, I mean, apocalypse, post-apocalyptic, pre-apocalyptic, currently apocalyptic things. <laughs> we have like lots of that stuff. We've had lots of this stuff, but it's an interesting take on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to keep an fair, eye on it. It's a fairly realistic take. Yes. You know, there's there's no like magic. There's no big explosion. There's no alien invasion. It's just about people. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like um. I mean, it's not it's not like Walking Dead where you know the zombies are there and the setting is kind of the zombies, but it's more about the people. It's the people are. I'll, I don't know if this makes sense. Are also like the setting and like their craziness, like they're just. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not making any sense. I'm sorry, guys. I'm like cough, drugged, up, coughed up on syrup. <laughs> instead of instead of being about what people do to each other after the apocalypse, it's about what we could do to each other in, you know, uh, in anticipation of what could possibly happen. But it hasn't actually happened yet. But we still kind of drive each other crazy. Exactly. Um. Let's see. 
I don't, I don't know if I really had a book of the week. I've just kind of been rambling, but, um, I guess this is probably one of my favorites. So as you guys know, or maybe don't know, but revival, I've been really enjoying it. And it kind of took like a little bit of a downturn for me at a bit, like where it just, nothing was really happening. It was still really good, but it didn't give me that. It didn't leave me with that craving for more. Um, so I picked up issue 13 and it's kind of renewed it. Like stuff is happening again. The plot is moving. The art has remained consistent and awesome this whole time, but now it's left me with this, you know, I want more. I want more. And, um, I know. And it's just been really great. And if you kind of fell off revival at any point, I highly recommend that you jump back on that horse which is revival number 13. So on that note, I, I have you guys, anything else you guys want to throw in here, mix into the pot, stir into the pot. I think I fell off revival around issue number five, honestly. <laughs> Don't you speak blasphemy to me. I, I might, I might pick it up and read it again. I will. There's just other more exciting things that happened for me along the way. So it's true. There's too many things that, are out there right now and readily available to you. Mm-hmm. It's if it's not speaking to you per se, it, it there's no point in really keeping up with it. Right. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, saga happened and then bedlam happened and like all these really big titles came along for me and I just, it didn't have enough. It wasn't holding me enough for me to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. It's very, I mean, there's this supernatural element to it, but at the same time, it's billed as a rural noir. And that's exactly what it is. You know, there's a lot of weird things happening, but it's still very centered around the people and what's happening to them in this town as all this stuff that has never happened to them before happens and unfolds. Um, And I feel like a lot of the time they kind of do similar things from story to story, but it's finally getting to a couple points where the characters are starting to progress a little more interestingly, if that makes sense. Mm. I gotta stop saying that. If that makes sense, I'll just say stuff. And if it, it always make makes sense, sense. Then... you make sense. You make sense. Um, but yeah, so I, I, it's just a series I keep on liking and coming back to. So I, I have, it's always in- good. Yeah, I haven't admittedly, like, loved it for the last little while. But, like, last year, the single issue, the first issue, was one of my favorite single issues of, like, all time. And I still stick by that. I still think it's an amazing series and amazingly written and fantastic art. Like, Norton, Battle Bug. Um, (laughs) But I I think it has dips. So I'll be interested to see, like, how long the story stays around like how many issues it goes to and what comes from you know what's happening because at this point in time I'm liking it but I can't actually see where they're going with it Hmm. either like I enjoy it but I have not a clue where they're taking things not a clue I thought the whole point of it was to kind of figure out why these people were coming back to life in this town or you know just not dying and I kind of feel like they don't really care about that it's just like it's happening 
and you know whatever so um i i guess i guess we'll see um at the the risk of getting a little bit off topic can i just ask a question that this makes me think of yeah for sure um how do you guys feel you girls feel in terms of you know uh tv shows and comics i I have this argument with people a lot with tv shows but like how many issues or episodes um will you go into something and kind of hold out for the story to capture you before you give up on it um because i mean you're saying like you're saying like at issue 13 like it's just picking back up for you well it goes it's up and down right like it's not to say that it's been down for a long time, but like some of the issues are a bit slower and it's like, it's very much like a TV show where some of it is, it's not as filled with filler as I think shows that have like 24 episodes in a season, but it, it, it does have some filler stuff that kind of makes it seem a bit slower than other comics that are out there. So I don't know. With TV, though, specifically, it depends a lot on how many episodes are in a season. And cause, um, and also, I guess, the show. Like, I find, like, with a lot of BBC shows, like, Luther is, like, three episodes a season. Same with, like, Sherlock and a few other things. And there's no room for filler in there. Mm-hmm. You're either going to be hooked mm-hmm. on the very first episode of one of those shows, like, you're going to know if one of those shows is something you're going to love right off the bat because they can't afford to do a buildup to what's coming in the second or third episode. They're going to throw you right into the shit. And if you don't like it, then you're not going to like the show. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's other shows that again, like for instance, lost that just, they have way too many episodes and like 80 to 90% of that are just filler. You could watch three to six episodes of that season and those three to six episodes alone, just kind of find the ones that actually pertain to the story. And you wouldn't need to watch the rest of the show. <laughs> Have you, you know said this I mean? in public before? You might anger a few people. I know. <laughs> I know. But it's true. Some really I, serious Lost fans out there. <laughs> but there's still like a main story. And, you know, once you kind of, there's just a lot you can miss without actually missing anything that happens in that show. So, mm, it depends. So you're saying it kind of, it it depends, like, in comics it would be like, is this a five series, you know, story where, like, I either need to be hooked right away because I know there's only five issues, or is it an ongoing Mm -hmm. thing where I know that I have, you know, a couple months to get attached to this? Yeah, like, The Wake right now would be a good example of, like, you know, a mini series. It has 10 issues and things are getting answered right off the bat. Lots of stuff is happening. And like right in issue one, you know, lots of stuff goes down and you get, you still get like a lot of action and a lot of character development. And if you didn't like it after the first issue, chances are you probably aren't going to like it. But for me, it keeps on getting better and better because I love it. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll say I'll say this. Um, I'm a fan of anime, mm-hmm. and any long-running anime series can be painful to watch. Um, for instance, let's let's talk about Bleach for a minute. Um, 
it's got so many episodes and so many of them are fillers yet I keep buying the DVDs because I keep waiting for it to go back to the real story. So I have, I have incredible patience for a work. Um, I feel like I can wait forever for it to get good. I mean, I've been buying Wonder Woman and not liking it. And, you know, I just keep thinking, I keep thinking this next issue could be the thing that changes or the next episode of the show could be the thing that changes it for me. And I just have this fear I'm going to miss it. And then everyone's going to be talking about it. And I'm going to miss out on something that could be life changing. So <laughs> it's, a, and, it's a fear. Yeah. Like I think it, you can kind of stick around for a character you want to stick around for or something, but it, it's a case to case thing. How about yeah. you? Uh, you I, feel the, the I feel the same way with, with books as I do with TV shows that, you know, there's so much good material being produced right now that if something doesn't grab me, I just, you know, I'm not going to waste my time. Maybe that's because I'm, I'm a mom now. So I just don't have, you know, I don't have endless amounts of time. The time that I have to read or to watch something is very, very small. So, you know, I reserve it for things that really grab a hold of me right away. Mm -hmm. um, but this, it's just, you know, talking about how you feel about, um, uh, God, what were we talking about? Issue 13 of revival. Thank you. Mm -hmm. revival. <laughs> um, yeah, just, you know, I, I mean, like I said, I got to issue number five and it just, it got boring for me. And so I just kind of stopped and I couldn't bring myself to keep waiting for it to pick up again. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had this discussion with many people over TV shows, particularly like the Big Bang Theory, which I gave up on after three episodes. <laughs> And I angered a lot of people by writing an article about how much I didn't like the show. <laughs> but I just, you know, like, I feel like there's so much really excellent stuff out there that yeah. I, I just don't want to waste my time waiting for something to get good again. I'm like that with sitcoms, too. Like, Big Bang Theory is not a show I watch or enjoy. When my best friend, like, she's <laughs> she's geeky in a lot of different ways. Like, she plays, like, a lot of video games and she reads a lot of books. But she loves the show. But, like, for me, every time we watch it and she's, like, laughing, she'll, like, turn to me and she'll be like, why aren't you laughing? <laughs> and I'm like, because I, I want to like these shows. I want to like what my friends are liking. But sometimes you just, what other people aren't liking aren't, isn't going to be the same things that you're going to like. And it's just one of those things that you kind of have to realize and accept and you don't necessarily have to stick with something because your friends are sticking with it or, you know, your friends are bullying you into trying to watch it with them. <laughs> Sometimes you're just not going to like things and it doesn't make you a crazy person. It makes you a person that has their own opinions. So it really yes. comes down to like, do you stick with something because you either feel obligated to like it because of peer pressure or because you feel like you're going to miss out on something as Mara said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, or do you just say the hell with this? I don't have time <laughs> and just go on to something else. <laughs> I think it's different for you. Like, and maybe that's just me, like as an outsider. Cause like you have Max, you have your baby. And so when you don't have time, you just don't have time. Like for me, my like don't have time is different. And Mara, you have, you know, school and papers and all kinds of shenanigans to worry about. Like, it's just, it depends on what your, how much your time personal, you have to waste. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It depends on what your personal workload and like, you know, what your life is like. 
So, and I guess how much time you're willing to waste on things that you don't necessarily like. I mean, if you read if you read a lot of comic reviews um, that people write and from all over different sites, you'll see that kind of pattern of like some people will say, you know, oh, I love this until this issue, and then I just stopped. You know, and then other people say this has been up and down, up and down, up and down, but they're still reading it for, you know, 150 issues, mm-hmm. even though they haven't been thrilled with it for the last 30, you know? Yeah. It's like a big difference in the way that people process the material. Definitely. Um, well, on that note. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all psychological. No, no oh. <laughs> this has been a great talk. I, I mean, I think it's something that a lot of people kind of discuss amongst themselves all the time and I don't get to talk to you guys that often so I'm personally enjoying this so whether everyone else is I hope they are but this has been nice for me to discuss it with you guys if they have lots of time to waste then they'll love it exactly (laughs) exactly and if not we won't be offended if you skip to after the break which we are going to take right about now Again, for joining us uh, on the women's only women's in comics podcast um again i'm stephanie i'm taking over hosting duties for this week for bobby and i'm joined by uh melissa megan and mara wood so um we've been asked in the past a few times about our opinions on manga um i read manga for like a lot of my high school years and um, a little bit of college. And I kind of look through it a bit now and again, and I watch a lot of anime, but I wasn't really properly suited to address the question. Um, However, it is a really, really popular, you know, medium. And Mara is a big fan of anime and manga as well. So I wanted to take this time while she was on the show to talk about that a little bit. So um, Mara, what are you reading? Um, well, I just finished reading all of Mars last week and, um, I'm almost caught up on Blackbird and Butterflies Flowers. Uh, as you can notice, I like girly manga. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll say this, I, I wasn't into it in middle school, junior high, high school. And I think a lot of that has to do with the peer group I had who were just, um, a different type of nerd and mm-hmm. I wasn't really exposed to it, um. I was a fan of Pokemon and Digimon and all those like actiony Saturday morning anime shows. Mm-hmm. But uh, my first proper introduction to manga was a volume of Naruto in grad school. Nice. So <laughs> I'm like 21 years old, trying manga for the first time, and it was Naruto, and I did not like it. Um, I gave it a second shot with a manga series called Hot Gimmick. And um, for those of you who don't know, Hot Gimmick is a very interesting manga series, about 12 volumes long, about a girl who is blackmailed by her father's boss's son into being his slave. Um, not quite sure he knows what the meaning of slave is. 
but he basically takes advantage of her in multiple ways and it's uh, a romance which sounds very <laughs> funny but that that more or less kind of sums up a lot of what girly manga is this idea of a timid woman and a male protector or, or someone who's um, a, a lot bossier than the girl is or a lot more um, powerful. Dominant. Yes, dominant. That's, that's a good <laughs> term. Uh, but the thing that appeals to women about manga is that there's a lot of it made just for them. And uh, if you look at the huge genre that that all the different genres that manga offers there's something for everyone and honestly the same can't be said for comics it's it's very difficult to get some women into comic books because it just it doesn't have that romance to it or that drama that you know something like pretty little liars or um gossip girl that brings in the female audience and that's that's where manga has has it right and yeah there's some sexist things misogyny but it, it's all stuff that really appeals to women. Mm -hmm. And even going back to your discussion on Mars or your discussion, your oh, brief mention of Mars, like, Mars. I mean, it's, it is, I think, well, not, I think I know geared towards women, but at the mm -hmm. same time, men can read it too, because it addresses so many issues. Mm -hmm. And like, we were talking about this a bit during the week. It just, it goes through, like a lot of mental disorders that I think are yeah. typically kind of, you know, brushed aside and not really addressed. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of layers to it that isn't just sort of in your typical comic book. Right. And I'm reading, you know, like I said, I didn't start reading manga until I was in grad school. And that's after getting my bachelor's in psychology and my master's in school psychology. So I'm coming at this from a very different perspective than mm -hmm. the original intended audience, which is, you know, 13 to 16 year old women. And I, I can see how manga can get a lot of people through tough times. Um, I think Mars, like five different people have told me that that's what they read in middle school. And that's, you know, their, their biggest influence in growing up was this comic series, this manga that addresses a lot of real life issues. And they do it so well and so entertainingly like you can't put it down and oh sorry go ahead go ahead I was just gonna say like I remember reading it when I was like I had to have been 17 or 18 and I didn't really have a local comic store and I had to have had my driver's license but I had to go in and specifically order like a volume mm -hmm. or like a few volumes every few weeks but then like they special ordered it from wherever you know yeah. manga was coming from at that point I'd have to like wait and wait and wait and if I'd had the money I would have just ordered the whole series but it was so addictive and so yes. at, at that time it just spoke to me it was just so perfect mm -hmm. and that's you know that's something that I think comic books really miss for women um, I have a friend who she's read some American comics and you know she likes them enough but when I handed her um, Mars I mean, she's been texting me today saying like, oh, I can't believe that Harumi. I can't believe she'd do that. She's so evil and going on and on about different characters and the drama. And I'm like, are you, what volume are you on? She goes, I'm on the second one. <laughs> like you're on the second one and you already have so much to say and so much connection with this material. 
and you know that that's the power of writing for women and writing about women and letting women write stories that they know and, you know with a comic book we, we focus too much on the superhero aspect or the science fiction or the fantasy we really miss a lot of the day-to-day drama mm-hmm. so. um i mean i collected i don't know if i ever finished it there was a great series i read um i think i collected it into my college years because it just hadn't finished being translated here yet that was called tramps like us <laughs> did you have you heard of it or i have, you read have it? not read that but i'm gonna go look that up right now because it sounds hilarious it's not like it's it's this kind of this businesswoman. she's highly successful and you know she has like a great place but she doesn't have like a boyfriend or anything and I mean, I'm kind of, this is, I haven't read in a really long time. So my description of it might be really, really off. Um, But basically she finds this like young guy who I believe is homeless and she somehow, she takes him in and he's kind of like her weird, like he's her friend, but he's also kind of like her pet in a lot of ways. Like, oh, manga. Yeah. She kind of just like adopts him like as a pet and it kind of turns into one of these things where he, they're both like attracted to each other, but she doesn't think of him like that. Cause it's like, you know, there's a lot of class issues mm-hmm. in Japan and well, anywhere, I guess, technically really, but especially when you read things like manga. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just some of the emotional aspects yeah. of, of stuff like that. They're so subtle. And mm-hmm. you know, at, first when you're reading it you feel like the characters are wishy-washy and back and forth like oh blah 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 whatever but you can you can totally see how some of these characters process what's going on and mm-hmm. it can be so strange as like you treat him as my pet or she's going to be my slave and you're, you're watching them like wrestle with these weird ideas and just acting on them and yeah. then reacting to them it's it was really interesting and it's kind of like um, in a way, it's kind of a bit like reading some, not necessarily smutty, but it's kind of a bit like Harlequin comics in mm-hmm. some ways. Because it kind of appeals to that yeah. aspect of wanting to read something girly and kind of like chick flicky without mm-hmm. full on, but without diving into the stereotypical, you know, girl and guy things. There's a lot of yeah. serious issues that get talked about. But, and the romances can be ridiculous at times. And just oh, yeah. a lot of things can be ridiculous at times. But there's these fresh takes on romance. And it's definitely, a, like, I mean, there's a lot of different genres. But it's a niche that isn't filled in the American market. Without a doubt. Yeah. I, I mean, I was talking on Twitter a few weeks ago about, is there an American version of Sailor Moon? And by that, I mean, we have a fantasy romance you know a young woman not superhero but pretty darn close mm-hmm. and someone had pointed out to me that the closest we had was sort of sorcery like that fantasy world mm-hmm. um young woman coming of age but other than that i mean you, you don't see a lot of you know middle school junior high high school main characters in comics mm-hmm. that aren't broken or you know uh, part of a post-apocalyptic world or uh, young Avengers and things like that. You don't have the normal everyday 
I can read this and know exactly what this character is thinking about right now. Yeah. It's, it's, they're based sort of, um, well, I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. I totally lost my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> That's fine. But I mean, I grew up with Sailor Moon, the actual anime. Um, and I was so addicted to it. I actually just found like, when I went back home a couple of weeks ago, me and my best friend, like I've known her since I was four, and we used to collect Card Capture Sakura cards. Yes. And we used to collect Sailor Moon cards. And I had like the best weekend ever going through them and being like, <laughs> oh my God. And like Carrie was so vehemently against letting me have like any of them. But I'd be like, I want this foil Sailor Venus card. You have to give it to me. And like now she's just like, you can have them. And I'm like, still so excited. I'm like, ah, I have them all. I've collected them all. Like yeah. my life is complete. But feels so much better. I know. I feel like I've hit this exciting place in my life that yeah. was previously missing. <laughs> yes. And I do want to say one more thing about women in, in Japanese comics. Um, one of the, the greatest stories I, I believe ever told in um, manga format, Full Metal Alchemist, was written by a woman. And even though the main characters are, are two boys, every female supporting character in that manga is well-rounded. And any one of them could carry the story themselves if told from their point of view. And awesome. I think that's something that, I mean, you don't see that every day. It's rare. Very rare. And I, I started by watching the anime and I'm sitting there going like, this is, I've never seen a supporting character, a female supporting character portrayed like this to the point <laughs> where I want to know more about her. And I could see, I could see her carrying the whole story and not, not just one character, but there were at least three in that series that, came in and out, wove in and out of the story and were very well written. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to get Melissa back in on this. Um, so we're not excluding her because I don't think she really reads much manga. But I just wanted to kind of take a moment to discuss comics. I think, you know, we are women in comics. So I think we have a loophole where we don't need to specifically talk about women in comics, but I'd like to hear, I mean, Mara and Melissa don't normally come on the show. Um, if you check out the website as well as the podcast, you've probably seen lots of awesome content from the both of them, but maybe you haven't heard of some stuff outside of what they review of what they love. That's not necessarily recent or, you know, whatever. So, I kind of just wanted to talk about something that we're enjoying, whether it's written by a girl, has like a female lead character or not. Um, just something that you really enjoy. And we'll do like one at a time. And um, since Melissa has been away for a little bit, I'd like to start with you, Melissa. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to have to start with something really obvious and mm -hmm. say um, Fiona Staples. I've really kind of fallen in love with um, largely due to Saga, of course. Mm hmm. Um, I have I didn't have a lot of experience with her before that, um, but you know yeah I think I think her her artwork is really it's it's so clean and polished but it's not boring. Um, and you really you're a fan that. of Steve Niles too. Have you read Mystery Society? I have not. I actually saw your comment about that a few days ago, and I wrote that one down. I said I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not Steve bad. Steve Niles and. 
uh, Fiona Staples. That's it's interesting. Like, I feel like it would be like one of your dream teams. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I'm going to look that one up. Um, Mara? I am going to go with uh, Rachel Rising. That's my first one. Terry Moore brings yes. it constantly. Like, um, I just got the Strangers in Paradise omnibus for mm-hmm. my birthday. And I am, I'm so excited to finish the series. Um, loved Echo. I, I mean, I haven't read anything he's touched that I didn't love. And, you know, there's this whole thing about men can't write women very well. And I was like, ah, that's a little bit wrong. I mean, there, there are plenty of men out there who can write a good female character without over, overemphasizing femaleness of her. And not and, only that, but he yeah. draws them. Yes. Draws them with some, like, flesh on them. Like, you can, and, you can, yeah. It's, like, it's so in bad. Rachel Rising too. there's, I mean, I think the cast for the most part is, a, like, a lot of women. And there's just so many different types of women that he showcases Body in the shapes. book. And yes. it's refreshing. It's so refreshing to not have mm-hmm. to be like, wait a second. I thought that was Rachel. Yeah. Huh? Like, there's just a distinct look for each of them. And it's, mm-hmm. he puts so much personality into the art. Even if you couldn't necessarily recognize the character, if there was two characters that were identical, he has this way of giving them unique facial expressions. And he's just so incredible. I thank you for saying Rachel Rising because I felt like yes. if I brought it up, I would be beating a dead horse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I went to San Diego Comic Con for the first time ever um, this year and I got to meet him. And I was just like, I, I was speechless. Probably, you know, just kind of like sat there with my eyes real big, staring headlights as he signed my, my Rachel Rising number one. And I was like, thank you very much. I love what you do. Bow, walk away real quick. It, it's just, I mean, I don't know how he does it. I don't know. I wonder if he can do an apprenticeship with other writers to make them do the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's writing so women good. workshop. But like, you don't ever see people question him. Like, how do you make strong female characters? He just no. does. Mm-hmm. Like, there's never been a question of like, out of all the creators, I would slap any person I saw be like, Terry Moore doesn't know how to draw women or write women. Like, would slap them silly. Anyone ever said that? <laughs> I hope not, because if they have, I'm coming to slap you. Yeah. And by you, I mean them, not you specifically. Yeah. Mara. <laughs> Y'all better watch out. Right? I don't know. I'm sure someone has, because someone somewhere is stupid. But haters, haters be everywhere. Yeah. So I, th- I think that workshop should definitely happen. I, I just- think. Yeah. I think that would be a really popular really popular workshop for writers. Yeah. Well, he he makes those how to draw women or how to draw facial expression expressions little um guides. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean Sean Murphy is doing that, you yeah. know. Art. He's doing like the internship yeah. thing. Kind of yeah. Thing. Terry Moore did like, the same thing. Yeah. I think it's one right? of those things where I mean, <laughs> we talked to Kelly Sue DeConnick and she kind of got really passionate about this specific discussion about writing strong female characters and not just making them strong so much as multifaceted. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to be like, she's strong. You want to be like, she's funny. She's awesome. She kicks ass. She's yeah. smart, but she's flawed too. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And he just unquestionably always brings that yeah. at anything he does. And I, I think it's not so much that he knows how to write strong women as he just knows how to write people. Yes. So, I mean, most, I haven't really read, honestly, I haven't read a lot of his other stuff, but my experiences with him, um, primarily the characters are female, but any character that shows up has so many layers, even in like Mm -hmm. the briefest moments. And it's something that you don't necessarily even need a workshop. All you need to do is read his work and just be like, wow, how does he do that? And then kind of sit there and be like, how can I do that? And maybe, you know, sit in a coffee shop all day and don't just like, but like really seriously, kind of like just observe people and their mannerisms and how they Mm -hmm. interact with each other. People go on dates at coffee shops. People do their homework. People do interviews. They're like great places to observe people in sort of a natural state. And if you want to, if, for some reason you are unfamiliar with how humans behave as a human, then go watch other humans. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you're right when Terry, when you say Terry Moore knows how to write people mm-hmm. and you know, you could, you could close your eyes and pretend like any one of his characters is a different gender. I mean, you have to make certain modifications, but mm-hmm. it, it's not like he's stereotyping or, or shoving each of his female characters into a certain, a certain dress or a certain, um, set of mannerisms mm-hmm. and he I highly just, recommend reading Echo Echo is fantastic I'm always on the lookout for um, there's a great like used bookstore in Toronto and I'm always on the lookout for things like Echo and Strangers in Paradise and all these other books that are generally can be pretty expensive mm-hmm. so those are things I need to get to um I have to confess, I, Rachel Rising, I have not read it yet. I think it's, you'll love it. I think I will, too. It's the it's the number one book on my list right now of things to catch up on. So, um, I made It's my friend, so worth it. My, I discovered there's this, like, really cool comic bo- shop box close to me. And um, my friend Chase drove me there, like, fairly recently. And we wound up spending, like, two hours in there just browsing. And he's like, what should I read? And I'm, like, picking things off the shelf for him. And I'm like, ah! pick up this and this and this and he got like saga and hawkeye and rachel rising and like he got the first volume only of rachel rising and like two days later he's like steph we have to go back <laughs> we like i need to get the rest of it he's like do they have it i'm like i don't know i didn't look i assume they would and, you know like like i'm coming over picking you up we have to go and so we went and he got the rest of them and like a couple days after that he was like more now please thank you yeah okay Mm-hmm. Bye. And that's just good writing. Yeah. Pulling people it's, back for more. I mean, that's that's a talent. And I don't know anybody who, you know, picked it up after hearing about it who didn't love it. So right. I don't know. Maybe that's a big bold statement and that's overhyping it, but I don't think you could overhype something as good as one of Terry Moore's books. Amen. On that note, I'm going to move on to something that I'm recommending. And um, this is something I've talked about before, but I kind of want to bring it up again, especially uh, specifically for this show. Um, 
and that's Faith Aaron Hicks and the Adventures of Superhero Girl. Um, this is just such a great comic that, I mean, it is technically a superhero comic, but not in your traditional sense. Um, there's just, you know, the character, again, she's flawed, but she's fun. And the story has moments where she has these sort of like existential crises, 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 crises. <laughs> and it, it, it's great. It's just this incredibly joyful and entertaining comic that stays real on some level while being mostly silly. Just that, yes, there's a monocled bear and, you know, like a giant kitten monster attacking the city and there's like all sorts of weird things that happen and in the True Patriots comic I just read you know she has a short story in there where the league of villainous Canadian stereotypes attack it's just silly it's just silly but at the same time it's amazing and I can't recommend it enough it's something that you know, kids can read it. Something that adults can read it. Something that girls can read it. Something that boys can read. It's something for everybody. Um, it was an online comic. It's still available online if you want to read it there. But it's also available um, in a collected. Uh, actually, I think it's not trade paperback. It's hardcover, and that's put out by Dark Horse. So Faith Aaron Hicks writes it and draws it. And um, you may have heard me talking about her on a couple other things. And she's the one that just uh, co-wrote and drew Last of Us American Dreams, the prequel comic to uh, the game from Naughty Dog. So that. Um, let's see. Did it, do you guys want to add anything else into We have lots of listener Q&As. But would you like to add anything else to the table for some of our favorite comics or some of our favorite creators, ladies or otherwise? Um, um. Yes, <laughs> Melissa. Well, we'll go to Melissa first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, you actually just brought something to mind for me that um is something I read a long time ago, but I meet way too many people who haven't read it, and it's not um a female creator, but it's got some really great female characters in it. Um, and it's called Freak Angels. I don't know okay. if you guys are familiar with that. I'm not. It's by Warren Ellis, um, and the artwork is by Paul Duffield, and it's an online web comic. It's completely free. You can read the whole thing online. Um, it's in print now, too, but it's a really beautiful series. Um, and it's a story of uh, 12 kids who were born at the same time, and basically they all have these particular powers, um, and everything is flooded um, everything in England is the the world is just flooded, and so I don't want to give the whole thing away because it's a really cool story. But basically, they're they're kind of an integral part of both you know the disaster and the saving of humanity. Um, but there's several of those twelve. I think there's like five female characters or something in there. Um, but they're all really each of them has a really you know independent personality and their own independent quirks and they're they're very real characters and so really I haven't thought about that in a while but you mentioned the webcomic and it made me think of that um, and I meet far too many people that haven't read it it's a really powerful story and I'm assuming 
Uh, do you know the website where it's hosted, or would we just uh, be able to Google Freak Angels by Warren Ellis? Freakangels.com. Oh, well then. And you can That's start easy. right from the beginning and read the whole thing. That's awesome. It's, it's really it's it's really beautiful artwork too, like these big sprawling kind of landscapes with really pretty colors, and it's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely will have to look out for that. I mean, I love reading comics online too because primarily I sit at my computer for most of my days and if I want like a nice break I mean realistically I should probably just do something that's not on my computer but sometimes it's just easier like so you don't get in like the mode of being on your couch or you know like lying down for a bit because like you don't want to get back from that but it's nice to kind of have little breaks where you can just do something online without going to like this is like a throwback, and I haven't played this in forever. But, like, this is the only example I can think of. Neopets. <laughs> and, like, time-wasting for, you know, and just playing games. It's nice to know that there's good content online that you don't have to illegally acquire. Mm-hmm. And that you can put time to right then and there without going anywhere. So, yeah. Um, Mara, did you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, I just want to say that I'm real proud of Marvel for all the female lead books that they've been putting out lately. And by that, I talk about Captain Marvel, X-Men, Fearless Defenders. Um, they tried real hard with Red She-Hulk. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad they tried. Um, but for the longest time, DC was putting out all these you know, female solo titles, even, even though they weren't all that fantastic. It was still something, and it was something that Marvel was lacking. And now, not only have they put out books with female lead characters, but they've been putting out great books with female lead characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Give yourselves a pat on the back, Marvel. Good job, guys. Way to go, team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of kind of comic books and comic creators and stuff that we can talk about but they're people that we kind of always talk about but it is nice to remember that there's publishers behind these books for the most part I mean with the exception of like Rachel Rising which is self-published but um, it's just nice that sometimes even though it might not seem obvious, there are little risks still being taken mm-hmm. to diversify things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Anyone else want to mention a book? Anyone? Going once? Going twice? All right. We are going to move on to some questions. And actually, before we get into listener questions, speaking on what you just mentioned, Mara, Um, I want to talk a little bit about Captain Marvel. Um, So you had mentioned uh, that, you know, actually, do you want to just explain it as far as what Captain Marvel is? I mean, in in terms of, um, I mean, I have what you... Rising in the ranks of Marvel. Yes, and movies What we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Well... As y'all probably know, Marvel and DC have been putting out a lot of comic book movies. Um, The latest of which that have been mentioned is the Batman and Superman movie. And upon its announcement, you know, a lot of people were like, okay, whatever, so-and-so. But there's a 
not, I don't want to say huge backlash, but there was a pretty significant backlash of people saying, why are we having another Batman movie and Superman movie without diversifying and getting a Wonder Woman movie, finally? Um, DC and Warner Brothers have been sitting on Wonder Woman, this great character for who knows how long now, and haven't been doing anything with her as far as putting her in a media other than a comic book. And um, there, there's been some talk on Twitter that Marvel just needs to bite the bullet and put out a Captain Marvel movie, even though Carol does not have the same status as Wonder Woman and probably not the same draw. But if, if they can beat Warner Brothers and DC to a female solo lead movie that isn't Elektra or Catwoman, then they're going to hit that market and you know bring a lot more female females to the comic book fold. And, you know, it just it, thinking about it, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering if Captain Marvel has the potential to have the same kind of icon status that Wonder Woman has today. Um, looking at what Kelly Sue has been doing with the character in the solo series and in Avengers Assemble and her appearance in other team books, she really has been a very strong character, more so than Wonder Woman has been at times. But she doesn't have that same um, recognition outside the comic book. So, you know, it's just kind of back to that, the notion that Marvel doesn't have that solo female lead character that DC has. But at least they're willing to do something with what they've got. Mm-hmm. And, and I, for one, think that, you know, a short introduction to Captain Marvel in Guardians of the Galaxy would not be far-fetched. I'm... I'm I'm hoping that after the credits, there's going to be a little something-something at the Cree and a little something-something about Carol. Um, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But in, in my dream world, they would tease her in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then she would have at least a minor role in the new Avengers movie. But like I said, I doubt it. You know, that that the stuff like that just doesn't happen. Hmm. I mean, there there was talks after the Avengers came out that there was going to be a black widow movie. Yeah. Um, that she was going to, you know, support all on her own. And that would have been great. I think that would have been a really, that would have put a lot of pressure on DC to do a wonder woman movie. Be like, see Mm -hmm. women aren't that hard to be on, like to make awesome, especially when the character is already awesome. Right. Um, I, I mean, and I think that's definitely Black Widow has a lot of potential to hold her own movie and drive up the sales because people love Scarlett Johansson. They love the Avengers. And I think she really had a prominent enough role in the Avengers that she could bring in audiences. Um, mm. And Marvel, DC seems to be playing this game called Me Too with Marvel. <laughs> and yes. They're just constantly in Marvel's shadows in terms of big feature films. And, you know, then they'd be like, well, what could we do? Oh, right. What? Wonder Woman. Why didn't we think of this? <laughs> um, it's so sad to think that the only way we might get a Wonder Woman movie is if Marvel puts out a female lead movie, like mm-hmm. Black Widow or Captain Marvel. I'm, and I then think- DC just feels obligated to do it, too. I think you're totally right where if they kind of started introducing um, Carol in something like at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, it could work. 
But I don't at this time think she's a big enough character to support her own movie, which is unfortunate because it takes a lot of work to really build these characters. And really, she's just getting I mean, it's just a new series and Mm -hmm. she has a massive fan base, but it's not a widespread fan base. It's a fan base solely made up of the people who read it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I don't think it would have that impact that Marvel would want. You know, if they put something at the end of the Avengers, it would have to be coupled with something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, it would, you know, if they were like, dun, 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 and like she was flying through space with her helmet on or whatever, people, there'd be like one to five people in every audience being like, <gasps> I am so excited right now, I'm freaking out. But then everyone else would be like, what? Who's that what? chick? What? What? Uh, I'm excited because yes. that person's squealing for some reason and they'd Google it and, you know, people would buy stuff, but there wouldn't be that initial reaction. Whereas someone like black widow again, mm-hmm. already has a lot of, um, oomph in the, yeah. in the comic book market and to people who don't necessarily read comics, but maybe just watch the movies. Right. Um, Melissa, do you want to chime in on, you know, female leads and female movies or female comic book, whatever, you know what I mean? Well, you know, I'm not really caught up on the Wonder Woman thing right now, but my first thought is just, I don't know that she's really edgy enough to carry a movie at this point, you know, because I mean, when it comes to movies, it's all about big bang, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, it's got to be really sexy. It's got to be really shocking. It's got to be really edgy. Yeah. Dark. yeah, it's got to it's got to hold it's got to have some kind of like large impact in that in that genre of movie for them to put any money or time into it. And unfortunately, I just don't think Wonder Woman can carry that anymore up against somebody like Black Widow or The Dark Knight, you know, it's got to be it's got to be a little heavier. Mm-hmm. All I know is I want to see Lock and Key become a TV show. <laughs> Right? It's not, but it's not. It's doing nothing a TV to do with show. women, but I want it to be a TV show. <laughs> there are awesome. Women That's how I feel about Why the Last Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, Lock and Key is being made into a trilogy, a movie trilogy. Ooh. Is it? Or it's it's being optioned. I believe last I heard, a studio had picked it up, um, but everything else is still slowly in the works. I think Guillermo del Toro should take that one on. I mean. He would do an amazing job with that. Um, I mean, yes. Yes. It could be creepy and dark. I don't know who else I could picture doing that, but definitely. It I has mean, to be I would see anything lock and key, so. <laughs> uh, um, Anything else that you guys want to add in about Carol Danvers or Wonder Woman as far as movies go or Black Widow even? I hope I hope Black Widow makes some appearances in the Shield TV show. I I hope I could see that she would be like a freelancer. Yeah, maybe like a two episode arc every once in a while. Yeah, I, I can mean, see that's that. not a huge commitment from ScarJo, but it's enough to connect the the TV show to the movies and keep it connected. I think it would be one of those things where it was like schedule permitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like with Kobe Smulders and mm-hmm. uh, 
some of the others that have signed on to make like brief appearance appearances appearances words <laughs> oh so but hard i know and i'm just gonna blame the fact that like i'm gonna blame conflu so you know there you go and general other derpiness but um i'm gonna get into some of the listener questions uh since we got a few and uh the first one comes from Tim Gibson. He's the writer of Moth City, who uh, the comic I was reading a little while ago on Comixology, the really cool digital comic. Um, and he wants to know what existing comic series could or should break out and gain um, gain the attention of female readers outside of existing comic book readers, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm. So mm. what comics should be that feature, I guess, stories and characters that females might enjoy, but, you know, aren't necessarily prominently advertised or promoted. You mean like, like introducing a comic to somebody who's not a comic reader? Um, yeah. That... So yeah. How could we draw, what comics could draw in new female comic book readers, existing comics? I've got one. Yeah. It's a superhero comic. Absolutely. Um, Avengers Assemble by Kelly Sue DeConnick. And I say that because starting with issue nine, that she, when she took over, it still had the, the feeling from the Marvel movies. Like, you really didn't have to know anything else about the universe other than who the Hulk was, who Iron Man was, their, their different personalities. And you could pick up on Captain Marvel and Spider-Woman pretty quickly. Um, I feel like it's a great team book that isn't very intimidating and still carries that that fun um, cinematic feel to it without being overwhelming mm -hmm. and I, I think if you're going to pull in just a regular Jane off the street and that sounds awful actually um, if you're going to pull in a new female reader into superhero comics that may be the one to, to use nice has characters I already know, introduces new female characters, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. I mean, you can't lose. Uh, Melissa, do you have one? Uh, but the first one that comes to mind is actually Why the Last Man. That's okay. one I've, I've introduced that one to a lot of female friends who are not big comic book fans or they, they can't, you know, they can't imagine themselves reading comic books. And I think it reads more like a novel and it's very approachable and it's very relatable. Um, and the characters are very, you know, believable. So, okay. oh yeah, you know, I think that's definitely a really easy one to introduce to people, especially if you introduce it in, you know, like trade paperbacks or, you know, the, the hardcover so that it feels like a book and not like a comic book. Even just that the physical difference of handing somebody a book sometimes helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally. You know? Um, it, it's one of those things where sometimes going into a store or like even looking online is intimidating that you can't browse through the pages and see if it's something that you might enjoy. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, I, I also think fables would be an easy one. Yes. Actually. I introduce fables to everyone. Yeah. And they love it. My mom loves it. Fables? Yes, my mom also reads a lot of comic books. So. <laughs> I'm glad you bring it up. I mean, I think a lot of people think I'm biased when I speak of fables for people who know what I do for 
you know, my day job. But I, it's been one of my favorite comic books, like, for as long as it's existed. And it, it, it's just something that speaks to anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's so well written and the art is fantastic. And there are already characters that are established in your mind mm-hmm. um, from, you know, whether it's Disney or whether you actually read fairy tales or, you know, there's no way you can't know at least one person in these books. And it makes it super accessible for people. Well, the, you know, the, the, the thing about fables is that you can't exactly say that the characters are believable because they're all fantasy characters, but um, they come across as much more relatable characters. You know, they have, some of them are jealous, some of them are bitter, some of them are, you know, just like grumpy kind of, they're not the way that we grew up thinking about Snow White and, mm-hmm. you know, Cinderella. They all have their quirks and their real kind of personalities. Um, also, I think fantasy in general is very easy to introduce to the general public because people just really love fairy tales and fantasy and things that feel magical versus, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit easier than, say, superheroes or the horror genre. You know, it's a little more yeah. approachable. Totally. Um, it, it's just, I don't know, I, I spend a lot of time at conventions and, I mean, I'd gone to a lot of conventions before and fables more so than any comic you see people who don't go to conventions and don't typically buy comics come up and talk about what this means to them as somebody who again isn't completely invested in this world and mm-hmm. i feel i'm happy again you guys are here cuz sometimes i feel like people won't believe me if i <laughs> talk about it but you were paid to say that, were you? No, like, you know, that's not, that's not my job. You know, I don't work for marketing and it's seriously just one of my favorite things. So I'm happy you guys mentioned it and brought it up I would up imagine it would be, it would be difficult to do your job if you didn't like the work. I suspect my job would be pretty miserable, but um, my job is very easy to enjoy <laughs> with, you know, my passion for comics and fables. So mm-hmm. um, one comic I'm going to mention that I've spoken about before um, that I think would be great is Delilah Dirk and the Turkish Lieutenant. Um, I've spoken about it before and I think it's in the works of being collected, but it's available right now as a web comic um, and it's by Tony Cliff. But it was just such a fun and whimsical story. Um, it's, you know, the art is fantastic, but it's also got these great action sequences and it's got this great female lead and it's magical and mysterious. And did I say fun? Cause it's fun. It's all kinds of fun, <laughs> all the fun. And I think it's, one of those things that anyone could kind of pick up. And again, sometimes I think uh, for women, and I, I think we'll probably t- wind up touching on this a bit later, sometimes it could be hard to go into a comic book store and it could be in an intimidating place. Mm-hmm. Um, and web comics are a really great place to kind of dive into this world and kind of experience it. You're not spending any money and you kind of get to privately check out some things that are right up your alley. Um, 
I don't know the website for Delilah Dirk right off the top of my head, but it is something that you can check out online and see if it's, you know, something that you might enjoy. And I highly recommend it and other web comics if, you know, you've had a bad experience in a comic book shop or it's just, you know, you don't know, you don't necessarily want to go in for whatever reason. We get it. Stuff happens. Sometimes people are jerks. Thankfully, I've never had one of those experiences in one of my stores here, but we all know it happens. So mm-hmm. web comics, they're, they're great for everything. Um, so is there anything, any other lady com- comics that, you know, we should mention or not necessarily lady comics, but comics that would draw female readers in? I feel like if I start talking, I'll never shut up on them. <laughs> I feel like everything on my pull list. <laughs> I know. That's very biased. But I know. I'll- I feel like it's hard for us to kind of be like this this and this because yeah. <laughs> we all read a lot of stuff and I don't think we're necessarily mm-hmm. typical we, we I think there's a lot more women out there that read as many comics as we do it's just mm-hmm. you know not ne- always super apparent um, well, well it's a tough question because we all do read comics and we love them so how do you imagine like what somebody who has no interest in comics would enjoy, you know? That's really true. I'll say this one actually, if you want to get into um superhero comics specifically, and a lot of characters have so much backstory that it can be it is overwhelming, you know. But uh Batwoman, Batwoman Elegy specifically mm-hmm. is a great place to start with a superhero comic. Um, Kate Kane is incredible and you don't need any prior knowledge of Batwoman to jump into this book. It's collected both in hardcover and trade paperback now. And the art by J.H. Williams, the third, um, is enough to warrant you buying it, you know, regardless. It might be a bit like it's a lot more serious. It's not necessarily a fun comic by not necessarily. I mean, fun is not a word I would use to describe this book at all. Nope. But it's awesome. And if fun isn't like if you like darker things and detective stories and kind of that Batman atmosphere, you'll love Batwoman Elegy. So that's that's another one. You know, a story I think would appeal to a lot of women who don't read comics is actually Sweet Tooth. Yeah. It's such a it, it's just such a you know, it's like a pulls at your heartstrings, you know, it's a very touching kind of like, it's a story about family and it's a story about, you know, belonging. And it's, it's kind of, it's a story that you see in movies and TV shows and books and other, you know, genres. So it's, it's kind of, I think it would be pretty easy to hand somebody that and have you get pulled in right away because there's so much, you know, you feel so much for Sweet Tooth and you want to see him survive. (laughs) <laughs> right from the beginning, you know. Um, I totally agree. That's a great one. It's not intimidating at all. And it's now finished, so there's a set amount of issues out there and trades and all that stuff. So right. it's not intimidating that once you're caught up, you have to keep getting new issues of it. Mm-hmm. It's done, and once you've collected it all, you've collected it all. Um, 
I'll say one more and then we'll move on to another question. <laughs> but this one's um this one's just a graphic novel called Anya's Ghost by Vera Brosgo. Oh. Have okay. you read it? Yes. Um so good. Yeah. And it's not necessarily really geared toward towards females, but you know, our heroine is a female and it's this story about this girl who basically accidentally kind of stumbles upon a ghost that decides to befriend her. Um, and it's not just that simple. The story takes all these fun twists and turns, gets a bit dark at times, but at the core of it, it's just this brilliant, beautiful story. Um, Mara, did you want to say anything about it? Um, I thought it was a pretty good, uh, it would be a great story to introduce to younger women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very intimidating, of course, but the thing I pulled most from it was this acceptance of who you are and what you've got. Um, Anya, I think she's from Russian descent. Like her parents are Eastern European, I think. I think so, because she Something. talks about the language, like yeah. her name and stuff. So she's already, you're presenting this character who, who doesn't quite fit the American ideal and who desperately wants to fit in. It, it's kind of reminiscent of American-born Chinese in that way, but it's a female protagonist and it's kind of a, a nice little fantasy story with it. But it has a good, it has a good moral to it. And it's, it's something that I, I wouldn't have any qualms about giving to a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I think it's like, this is something you should read. Yeah, um, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I sus- I believe it's still available everywhere, and it's just a trade. It's not a very big trade. I don't believe it's very expensive either. So that's another thing that you could pick up. It's something that, you know, I have a six-year-old uh, cousin, and his little brother's four, and I would have no problem bringing over Anya's ghost to their place to read it to them because I think they would love it. Maybe a little bit older, but... I think they would really enjoy it. The the mm-hmm. art is fantastic. Um, does anyone else have any other comics that they want to throw in here before we move on to our next question? Anyone? No. Nope. Nope. All right. That was awesome, guys. So we're going to move on question. to the question. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think we kind of get variations of it all the time, but I love Bob and Steve and Bobby, but it's nice to also have, your perspectives as well. Um, lady perspectives. Yes. Um, so this question's from Dylan Jones. Um, he's a fantastic fan. Um, and he wants to know, in an obviously male-dominated medium, how do you feel about how female cosplayers are treated? There was some outrage recently about a website taking pictures of female and male cosplayers without consent. And he wants to know our thoughts on that as a whole. Um, Mara, do you want to start it off? Sure. Um, this is a deep, deep well. I know. Okay. I'm trying to think of like the, the best way to say this. Um, if you cosplay, you, you're doing it because you love the character. Um, I, there are some people who do it, you know, uh, there's so many, there's so, this is such a tough subject. Thanks for asking this question. Uh, <laughs> but I feel, I feel that if you pour that many hours into a character and into the detail, into the research, 
then you you have some sort of love for the character and what they represent. Okay, that being said, if you dress up like a character, people are going to pay attention to you. Um, and that's kind of what cosplay is. You're, you're taking on the role of a fictional character and hopefully their mannerisms if you go all the way with it. Um, but, you know, there are jerks out there. You know, there are people who will take advantage of you dressed in your costume. There are people who will post pictures of you dressed in your costume. And honestly, I think cosplay is something that I would be very careful getting into because of those jerks. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I've read a lot on the internet about like managing bullying at conventions and sexual harassment. And, you know, we don't, we don't live in a perfect world where everyone respects each other. And that's just, that's just really upsetting. Um, and I, I hate doing the whole, like, you know, you're a woman, you should be careful because it, it shouldn't be that way. Um, but some guys are jerks. It, it doesn't matter if you're in a costume or not. Um, if you're a guy listening and you're one of those jerks, shame on you. Shame on you. I think, I think a lot of it stems. And again, again, I think all of us are going into this conversation saying that these are just things we've seen and kind of experienced. It's horrible that we kind of have to warn people and all this stuff, but we like, I like cosplayers. I don't think any of us have anything against cosplayers. So everything we say is said, you know, with affection towards that. But um, I think a lot of this um, treating them as meat necessarily, so to speak, um, comes from the fact that there was a time when not as many women came to comic book conventions and people would hire models to dress up as these characters to wander around the floor and to promote like a book or a character or to be at a booth be a booth babe and Mm -hmm. it's not acceptable to still be like you know oh i'm gonna take pictures of your boobs or your butt because you know you're just being paid to be here anyways but there was a time when those people were being paid to be there and i think there's this thing where those people are there for the attention. They are there to have their photo taken and stuff. But there's a really fine line between taking a photo because you like the costume or the girl is pretty or whatever. And then just plain old sexual harassment. Um, it, uh, it, it, I think this whole conversation is on a very fine line of we're watching very much what we say because none of us are meaning to offend. Um, but I don't know. It's just, I think cosplay has become a really big phenomenon that a lot of people really want to get into. And there's people who are creepy and there are people who are weird and whether you dress up or you don't, that's just a fact. Whether you're on the street, at a bar, whether you're at a restaurant, whether you're out with friends, there's just creepy, weird people out there. And there's creepy, weird people who don't have social skills sorry, and don't understand that what they're doing isn't socially acceptable. And that sucks. 
but it is what it is. And if you're getting into cosplay, again, what Mara said, you just have to be really careful about what you're doing, which again sucks. But uh, anyways, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> it had no real ending to it. I just kind of was like, uh, I have nothing to say. That's something's gonna accidentally come out that I don't mean in a certain way. It's okay. I'm gonna be the one to probably say the wrong thing here because I'm just not really good at beating around the bush. <laughs> um, and my answer's probably not gonna be very popular, but you know what? I'm just gonna be honest. Um, this the question baffles me a little bit, to be perfectly frank. I I feel like if you do cosplay. You do it because you want people to pay attention and to notice you. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's an exhibitionist thing. Um, just like, it, it kind of feels to me like the question of like, like why, you know, people that get tattoos and then get annoyed when people ask them about their tattoos. Um, I understand that, you know, there's definitely, and I take a lot of photos all the time of a lot of people. And so there's definitely an etiquette if you're taking pictures of strangers that, you know, if somebody says, hey, please don't take a picture of me, then, you know, you should be a decent person and not do that. Um, But, you know, it also, yeah, you're dressed up in a costume um, and you're making a display of your costume and you're in a place where, you know, it's a very common practice for people to be in costume and to take lots of photos of each other. And so, you know, I, I have to say, I feel a little bit like, you know, you put, if you walk into that situation and you put yourself in that situation, you don't really have much room to complain about people taking pictures of you. It's kind of like celebrities complaining that they don't have any privacy. You know, (laughs) I, I know that's not going to be the popular answer here, but I mean, that's what it feels like to me. You know, I, if, if I go to, if I go to a big convention and I wear something that would be considered a costume, I'm going to assume that people are going to, I'm bringing a lot of attention onto myself and probably people are going to take pictures of me and maybe not, you know, all the time when I want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's kind of your responsibility at that point to speak up and say, Hey, don't take a picture of me, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. But I'm kind of confused, too, because I'm not sure, like, what what kind of pictures are we referencing here? I mean, I know there's everybody takes pictures of people at cons and posts them on your Facebook page and wherever, you know, and these are all strangers that you took pictures of. So what are these? He didn't specifically mention, but I suspect um, it was uh, in reference to at Comic-Con, there was a website that um, was taking pictures of cosplayers' butts. And they were posting them on the website and basically the article, and it was a big website too, not just like some blog, but they did this slideshow that was basically uh, the, the content of what was written was something to, it was, I'm paraphrasing and this is no way exactly what was said, but uh, it was something along the lines of here you go, all you nerds and basement dwellers, some butts for you from Comic-Con. And it was just like skimpy. Just like people tasteless in, like, photos. Yeah. Just tasteless and yeah. But that's a fine line. Like there are people who are awkward and I know people say things to people that are in cosplay and, and a lot of interviewers have been super rude to people. Uh, but like if you, 
I, I know this is shitty to say, but if you can't hold your own and if you can't be tell people to not do that, kind of like what you were saying, it's mm-hmm. something that maybe you should consider. Like when, not you put on a, when, when you put on a costume, especially one that is going to draw a lot of attention, specifically a lot of male attention. Mm-hmm. Or you kind of have to learn. And I know it's shitty, but again, this is kind of what we have to deal with as women and even men, too. I know lots of people who dress up and I, I know people who take inappropriate pictures of dudes, too. But people get objectified. And if they don't have any connection to you, like if they don't know you or if you're a famous cosplayer or whatever, then they just don't feel like it's like, well, I'm never going to see this person again. So why not? There's a distancing kind of thing that people kind of justify this behavior. And well, it's just like I don't remember what the site was, but do you remember a few years ago somebody um, it was a, a male um, blogger who posted a bunch of photos of um basically con attendees who we thought kind of fit the stereotype of like your overweight, you know, awkward nerds. And a lot of them were just like these overweight men in embarrassing looking costumes. And he kind of just like made fun of them, posted this whole, I don't remember who it was, but this jerk. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about this guy. Um, But it's the same kind of thing, you know, like taking a photo of like a really overweight man in a super tight costume, you know, and then like making fun of him online and saying, Oh, look how fat this guy is. You know, it's just crazy. Um, I don't know. Like it's, yes, it's kind of a thing. Like you put yourself in a costume and you put yourself on display in that situation. You either have to be prepared to, you know, face down some jerk who, you know, is intentionally taking tasteless photos of you or, you know, just say, well, what the hell, you know, like this guy's a jerk and he posted terrible photos and, you know, you you kind of take it as the negative that goes with the positive of the fun you had. (laughs) Well, what it comes down to too is we like to say that kids are mean. People in high school are mean, but we never left school. People are still judging and people are still mean and catty and horrible whether they're doing it to your face or not. Um, And that's not to say all people are like that, but those rules, those playground rules still exist. There's enough people reading that to keep that stuff being published. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if there are enough assholes in the world (laughs) to support that type of, you know, well, crappy stuff. And the problem is we focus, this is, I by talking about it. And I know like we need to talk about it to move past it. But when we talk about it or we specifically when we um, zero in on one specific site or article, like it's okay to talk about it and to kind of try and work out the issues amongst ourselves. But I, the fault is with the specifics of the pointing of the fingers. When we point our fingers at this person be like, look what they did. We are driving millions of views to their site. Mm-hmm. That site that posted those butts, guarantee you got like, you know, if 500,000 people viewed one of the slides, they're going to have like, what? Like upwards of 6 million hits on their site by the end of the slideshow? It's 
we're supporting what they're doing. They're like, we're not taking this down. Our advertisers are paying us crazy amounts of money now. We point our fingers and by proxy, we make the problem stay here longer. Well said. Hey, I don't have the I don't have the balls to do cosplay. And I say if you do, then you know, go for it. Just do it knowing that, you know, some jerk out there might post some pictures of your butt that you're not happy with. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but just I mean, do it do it a hundred percent and and you know, know that you're taking a risk of exposing yourself to people who aren't gonna treat you with respect. You gotta have some um, tough skin. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Um well, does anyone else have anything to say? I feel like we kind of exhausted that one a bit. It was a bit of a tough subject here. So It's a delicate subject. Well, I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit with sort of a general question that we were sent in by Sean Murphy. Um, and he just wants to know, and I've only read like part of this, so whatever. But anyways, is anyone still reading Six Gun Gorilla? And what do you think? No. Anyone? I've no, never heard of that. Oh, darn. I've heard I of it, but I've not read it. I've read the I've read part of the first issue and I know um Ramon Perez did the cover for the first issue and I started it it's on my iPad. I have interest to keep reading it. I know Steve read it. At least all of the first issue, but I personally have not yet finished it. Hmm. Sorry, Sean. Maybe we'll answer that better another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have so many tough questions. I feel like we should have got some light-hearted lady questions. <laughs> I feel like we're the View. We're on the View. My oh, goodness, comic book View. Um, let's see. I kind of want to talk quickly about speaking They're of cosplay. Us. And all this stuff. How do we feel about these shows that are popping up? Like we have Heroes of Cosplay that just started. They're two episodes in. And we have um, Fangasm that's starting in September. Both shows are from sci-fi. Uh, and both reality shows. Which put a big full focus on our world. In two very different uh, respects. Do either of you are either familiar with. The shows, and if you are, what's your initial thoughts on them? What was the name of the first one? The first one is uh, Heroes of Cosplay. So it's a reality show that kind of focuses on um, several cosplayers and their process into making a costume, going to a convention, walking around the floor. Um, and I believe, I haven't seen it actually, but like I think it showcases... Um, some of the competitions and masquerades and things that they do. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second one is Fangasm, which uh, is like a Big Brother-esque show, but with geeks. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say this. I might watch the Heroes of Cosplay. Um, it's just a matter of me sitting down to watch it. But the Fangasm, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing as like, watching Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I live it. So why, why am I going to watch it? I'd rather watch, I'd rather watch like a real geek show like mm -hmm. Firefly or Star Trek 
or something that has that escapism. But watching a bunch of people who are more or less similar to me compete and then be put in a bad light, as I assume fangasm will do, um, it's, it's just not as appealing to me. Um, I, I have so many interests, and one of them is not watching people mm-hmm. on reality TV shows. Like I said, here's a cosplay maybe really good, because I don't know a whole lot about building cosplay, and it would be interesting to watch the whole creation process, but I'd rather watch it as a documentary, mm-hmm. um, like following one cosplayer as she does like five costumes in one weekend or something like that, rather than yeah. a competition that puts people down and judges. Um, that's just my that's just my opinion. Um, it's the same thing with Big Bang. I mean, I hate saying this. I've seen all six seasons of Big Bang Theory, and I just I rage watch it. Like I sit there and I just fume as I I don't know why it's so satisfying to me, um, but like watching episode uh, i'm going on right now yeah. uh, I, I just better stop now let it flow um, <laughs> i hate that episode where the girls go to the comic book store and it's just assumed that they don't read comic books at all because they're girls and i hate that the guys on the show can read comic books and collect but the girls don't and it's like that's so, uh, okay i'm done <laughs> <laughs> well i haven't watched either of the shows um but i hear that it's just hard to kind of want to watch these things that add more drama to our world like if you're on twitter or facebook i already get enough drama like real drama you know from all these people that go to conventions and you know oh this person did this to me at my comic book store oh this person said this to me at a convention and i don't really need to watch a show that focuses on that and adds more emphasis to the negative do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they kind of make everyone like a little more catty and a little more mean and a little more, you know, TV ready. Um, entertainment. They're all entertainment. And I don't know how I feel about our world kind of being showcased like this. I mean, Fangasm is actually billed as the real Big Bang Theory. And <laughs> that's just so vastly unappealing to me. You s- Here's the tagline for this show, Steph. All right, ready? The real Big Bang Theory. Nah, see you later. <laughs> Bye. I'm out. It's like, why watch something that you already live? Yeah. You know, I know, like, I, I feel like Big Bang Theory, for instance, does not accurately represent a geek life. Um, and I would assume that any show that tries to mimic or... Um, put that into like a TV show or, or a movie. It's just, I don't know. It, it's not appealing to me. I, like I said, I'd rather watch like the, the fantasy or sci-fi shows, mm-hmm. like the real sci-fi shows. Yeah. Well, there's no question about the fact that it's uh, exploitation, you know, but that's what reality TV is all about. Um, and it's probably uncomfortable for people in our uh, community because it's exploitation of us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I'm a reality TV junkie. <laughs> <laughs> and I love to watch people make fools of themselves on TV. <laughs> and I love um, competition shows. I loved um, King of the Nerds. I watched all those episodes. Um, I think it's fun to watch. I, I think it depends on the context that it's put into. Like the spangasm thing sounds to me like 
just, you know, drama garbage, like just trying to like, let's see if we can make these nerdy people get, you know, hate each other and pick on each other. And that, that doesn't really get me, but I would love to see like, I don't do cosplay, but I, I think that the process of watching it being built and seeing how people, you know, how the thought process works and the creativity behind it. I think that sounds really appealing and I definitely would check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, like I love the show Face Off. I don't know yeah, if you ever watched that. Yeah, I was that. just about to bring that up. I haven't seen yeah. it, but I feel like that's kind of the show you'd want to watch, but cosplay. Right, right. And it, and it can be done well and it can be done really crappy. You know, Face Off has done really well and that they don't focus on the drama so much of, you know, people nitpicking at each other and getting pissed off at each other but they focus on what they're creating and how they're creating it and the whole process of it so it can definitely be done well mm-hmm. you know i think there's different levels of reality and competition tv uh depending on how dirty you like it <laughs> <laughs> um well uh we have like several other questions a couple of them are kind of things that we touched on before um in terms of you know, writing women in comics and people in comics, which you sort of touched on when we spoke of Rachel Rising and Terry Moore. Um, So I don't want to dive into that again. And we have a couple more sort of what would you recommend questions? And these are all fantastic questions. And there's a couple more that I feel like we'll just wind up, you know, in a, in a rant about, and I kind of want to, you know, end things on a lighter note. So, um, I don't know. What are we excited for coming up conventions, meeting anybody like what's, what's exciting in the geek world for you guys right now? Oh, Oh, I've got one. I've got two. <laughs> All right. And it's go. anime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching this show called free on mm-hmm. it's on Crunchyroll right now. And it's um, being released in Japan currently. And I was sucked into it through Tumblr and it's basically like the biggest lady fan service anime I've ever watched. Um, <laughs> these guys are aggressively ripping their shirts off to go swim. There's lots of like almost homoerotic looks between the guys. And I'm sitting there going like, just make out already, please. For the love of God. I just, I just want somebody to hook up right now. Um, so that's pretty exciting for me. And it's, it's I think seven episodes into a 12 episode run. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Wednesday. I'm looking forward to tomorrow when the next episode comes out or today, whatever. Awesome. And um, a new show that I'm watching right now called Attack on Titan. And um, it's a little bit harder to explain what that one is, but it's a lot more blood and gore and um, very unsettling horror into the world, steampunky fabulousness. Um, so if you like, psychological thrillers with the touch of, you know, all of humanity is going to die if we don't do something about it. Attack <laughs> Attack on Titan is your anime. Nice. Uh, Melissa, you got anything for us? Um, there's so many TV shows right now that I'm kind of chewing my fingers and waiting for them. Um, it's almost October, which means The Walking Dead is coming back. Um, Boardwalk Empire is coming back on. And... Uh, Sherlock will be back soon. Oh my so god! There's a yeah. lot of really exciting TV coming. <laughs> um, I also want to mention a comic book though that we kind of skipped over earlier. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that is uh, Pretty Deadly. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. From yeah from um, 
Kelly, Kelly Sue DeConnick, yeah, and Emma Rios. And I guess it's this their first real independent creator-owned comic. Um, I'm really excited about that. I don't know. I, I'll just read. I actually have it up right here on Image. Um, it's. I'll just read you a little introduction. But it says, uh, Ginny is Death's daughter, a reaper of vengeance. She rides through the West on a horse made of smoke, her face tattooed with her heritage, and deals in revenge. She's the mysterious, elusive center of Pretty Deadly, the first creator-owned comic series. Um, so I, it, it looks beautiful, and it sounds like a really cool, different story. I totally, um, totally agree with you. It looks fantastic. And that's October, too, so October's wait. really going to kick ass. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I've, I mean, we've already talked about Lock and Key, but I'm so looking forward to Lock and Key Alpha. Um, it's a two-issue mini that is the end of um, the arc, or, well, the main, the main story that we've come to know. Um, so we get to kind of find out what's happening to the Locke family and all the people who have, you know, come to be a part of the extended Locke family. Um, I couldn't be more excited to find out these things. And apparently there's going to be, after this is done, I've heard that they're contemplating doing like little one shots here and there, (laughs) which makes me really excited that there's just, it's not just completely going away, but oh, I was going to say, how, how can they actually end that series? I mean, there's, there's way too many people <laughs> just obsessed with that series to end, you know, know. It, it's like, it's like the Rolling Stones, like saying, we're going to break up. This is our last show. You know? <laughs> we're like, no, 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 we're just kidding. We have like two more. <laughs> it's like, we're gone. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. You've been lovely. And then the encore. <laughs> And then the second encore, they basically just have like a never ending encore. I'm not complaining. I can't get enough locking key either. <laughs> but I'd be interested to see what they do after Alpha. Um, I mean, anyone who's read Lock and Key, you know that they take it to such dark places and no character is really safe. I feel like anyone can die and anything could happen to anyone. And it's beautiful. It's one of the few horror comics that I read and it's just not my genre because I'm a wimp but I'm completely obsessed with this series and I think above almost anything else right now coming out or coming out in the future that is something that I'm just like jonesing for so yeah anyone else have anything else they want to throw out there for I am so excited Speaking of no character being safe, Game of Thrones can't come back fast enough. Oh my god, right? Can't come back uh, fast enough. Every every single, I feel like every single episode of that, it it's it ends, and I'm like, it can't be over yet. It, they, I mean, they need to be like two and a half hours long. <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to go into the new releases, so you can find out what's in stores today. Um, So... I wrote out like my list here. I feel like there's a lot of stuff and I don't know if I'm going to be reading more than Bobby normally reads. Cause some of these titles I feel like I haven't heard, <laughs> but maybe I tune them out. So whatever, we're going to deal with it. All right. So from Aspen comics, we've got all new fathom. Number two, we've got overtaken. Number one from boom studios, fanboys versus zombies. Number 17 we've got peanuts. Number 11, 
regular show number three, Steed and Mrs. Peel number 11. It's the final issue. I know Bob is going to be both thrilled and heartbroken by this. And uh, then we've got Suicide Risk number one. Um, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got Angel and Faith number 25, Captain Midnight number two, Itty Bitty Hellboy number one, which I'm super, super excited about, by the way. So cute. I know. And then we've got King Conan, The Hour of the Dragon, number four of six, Mass Effect Foundation, number two, The Massive, number 15, Mind Management, number 14, and The Station to Station One-Shot. From DC Comics, we've got Adventures of Superman, number four, All-Star Western, number 23, American Vampire Anthology, number one. Yes. I know, right? Um, Aquaman number 23 we've got Batman Incorporated special number 1 Batman Superman number 3 Batman the Dark Knight number 23 Catwoman number 23 FBP Federal Bureau of Physics number 2 which is formerly Collider keep that in mind guys as you're going into the store that you are not looking for Collider number 2 again you're looking for FBP the Federal Bureau of Physics. All right. We got. <laughs> I know, I know. Then we've got Flash number 23. We've got Green Team Teen Trillionaires number four. That's not hard to say, DC. Injustice Gods Among Us number eight. Justice League number 23. Larflees number three. Red Lanterns, I apparently cut off the number. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 23. Whatever the latest issue of Red Lanterns is, guys. Apparently, <laughs> I'm not great at this. Anyways, Superman 23. We've got Talon number 11. Teen Titans number 23. Tom Strong and the Planet of Peril number 2 of 6. The Unridden number 52. And Wake number 1 of 10. But keep in mind that this isn't... Um, I mean, we're on issue three of The Wake, but this edition is the director's cut edition. I don't know what that really means, but apparently it's different and it's got more stuff. So look for that in stores for reasons. <laughs> All right. From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Damsel's Giant Killer One Shot uh, with a cover from Chrissy Zulo, Jim Putch. Jim Butchers, Jim Butchers, The Dresden Files, Ghoul Goblin, number six of six, Mark Waits, The Green Hornet, number five, Miss Fury, number five, Uncanny, number three, Vampirella, number 33, and Warlord of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 28. From IDW, we've got Doctor Who, Prisoners of Time, number eight of 12, G.I. Joe, number seven. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 193. Godzilla, Rulers of the Earth, number three. <laughs> <laughs> Jericho, season four, number four of five. Judge Dredd, Classics, number two. Kill Shakespeare, The Tide of Blood, number five of five. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number 10. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 25. Thumbprint, uh... By Joe Hill, number three of three. Transformers, More Than Meets the Eye, number 20. Transformers Prime Beast Hunters, number four. Transformers Regeneration One, number 94. Huh. All right. From Image <laughs> Comics, 
holy moly, I feel like this is longer than normal. Uh, we got <laughs> Lazarus number three. Yeah. <laughs> Mind the Gap number 13. We've got Morning Glories number 30. We've got Secret number three. This is that Hickman series that came out like a year and a half ago and is still only on issue number three. I kind of forgot that it existed <laughs> until approximately right now. Wow. Anyways, next on the list, we've got Sex number six, Skull Kickers number 24, Super Dinosaur number 20, and then Think Tank number nine. Huh. From Marvel Comics, A plus X number 11, Astonishing X-Men number 66, Avengers Arena number 14, Captain America number 10, Captain Marvel number 15, Woo-hoo. yeah, Deadpool number 15, FF number 11, Gambit number 16, Journey into Mystery number 655. This is the final issue of Journey into Mystery, and I know Steve is going to be very heartbroken over this one. New Avengers number nine, <laughs> Rocket Raccoon, Tales from the Half World. I, By the way, I also love that thing on, somebody posted on Twitter where they were like, DC's all, oh, we can't do a Wonder Woman movie. It's too complex. And Marvel's all like, here's a raccoon with a machine gun. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. But come on, Marvel, put up, put up a woman movie, please. You can do it. You did a raccoon. You're doing a tree. (laughs) So then we've got Scarlet Spider, number 21. Secret Avengers, number 8. Thanos Rising, number 5 of 5. Thor, God of Thunder, number 12. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, number 26. Uncanny Avengers, number 11. Uncanny X-Men, number 11. Wolverine and the X-Men, number 35. Wolverine Max, number 10. And Young Avengers, number 9. Oh, from Oni Press, we've got Mysterious Strangers number three and Wasteland number 47. From Titan Publishing, we've got number, oh, I just skipped the title. We've got Tomorrowland <laughs> number two of four. And then from Xenoscope, we've got Grim Fairy Tales Presents No Tomorrow number one of five. And Grim Fairy Tales Presents Robin Hood Wanted. Number four of five. Is that I all? Talking. It, I know. Did you want more? <laughs> oh, wait. There's more. There's not really, though. Lots of trade paperbacks <laughs> are coming out, though. So if you're somebody who's waiting for all that stuff, make sure you take a look at the list and pick up all the awesome things that are hitting your comic book store shelves today. All right. So here's how you can get in touch with us. Thank you so much for listening, submitting questions to us. Um, it's awesome that you guys interact with us as much as you do, and we can post questions, you know, halfway during today, or yesterday, rather, time travel, and still get a buttload of responses for you from you guys um, and feedback for this show. Um, I hope you've been enjoying Women in Comics Week. You can look for content from all of us in forms of podcasts, columns, articles, reviews, and more up on the website, which is www.talkingcomicbooks.com. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Like our page on facebook.com 
slash talking comics or on Twitter. You can follow us and be our friend there. And our Twitter handle is at talking comics. Um, I'm also on Twitter and my handle is at hello cookie. Um, Melissa. Um, my Twitter is uh, Lissa Punch. And Mara? Marvelous Mara W. And you should all, you know, tell us what you think of this show, because obviously this is the first time I've hosted it, and I've done this show without Bobby, Steve, or Bob. So I hope you like what we did, and I hope that, you know... We should you... do it again. Yeah, we should. Yeah. We should kick girls the guys out over. more often. I know. <laughs> Have like girls night. Yeah. Um, but this has been a lot of fun for me. And I, I mean, I hope it has been for uh, Melissa and Mara and all of you listening as well. And I hope maybe we've given you some insight into a side of comics that maybe you weren't necessarily familiar with. Um, I know we've spewed a lot of information at you, but before you go and speaking of you know, the website and content coming to you this week. Today, launching on the site, it's not related to women in comics necessarily, but this is a really exciting thing. We have a lock and key contest launching today. So, yeah, it's a really cool contest. IDW is has pitched in some prizes. So um, we're going to have one of the skeleton keys that was made by Skeleton Key Studios up for grabs, along with the entire run of Lock and Key Omega. Um, we're going to have a signed first issue of Lock and Key Omega by uh, Gabrielle Rodriguez, who's the artist on Lock and Key, and Joe Hill. Um, I'm forgetting something else that is being given away, but all of the details are going to be up on the website. And it's a really cool contest in my completely biased opinion. You're <laughs> going to be designing your own key. So you're going to come up with a design. I mean, keys are pretty easy to draw. Even if you just trace a design of a key and then just add your own bits onto it, you know, go to town. You come up with a design for it, and then you're going to explain what this key would do in the world of lock and key. Um. It's a pretty big with, bag of swag. It's a pretty awesome big bag of swag. And yeah. I feel like some really cool things could come of this. IDW is going to be watching this contest. They're really excited to see what everyone comes up with. And we'll be posting some of the keys up on the site. And all the details can be found there. Please go check it out. Please share it. Well, maybe you might not want to share it because you'll probably want to keep the swag for yourself. But make sure you go check it out and enter the contest because we really want to see what your wild imaginations can, you know, put forth. So um, on that note, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, do you lovely ladies have anything else to add in before we sign off? Read more comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I already said my Twitter handle, but I just want to add that my article that I'm doing for our Women in Week and Women in Comics Week is all about female readers and what they want. So, you know, any any input that I can get um, for the next day until I finalize that article would be really awesome. I'm trying to collect a lot of opinions on this so that I can kind of write a nice big fat thing about, you know, what we're looking for and what's missing. And where can they send you that info? Um, at at Lissa Punch, 
capital L-I-S-S-A, capital P-U-N-C-H, Lissa Punch. Awesome. All right, so um, again, for like the fourth time, thank you so much for joining in. And you know, if you like what we're doing here, leave a comment, um, leave us things on Twitter, because if you do like these little women-hosted shows, I think we would all be happy to do it again sometime. So you just have to let us know what you think. Um, and we love yeah, comments. we do, we do love comments, mostly nice ones. But if you have, <laughs> you know, if you have criticisms, make sure they're constructive because otherwise you're just being mean. Right. Um, anyways, so I think that's it. I think that's more or less it. So for, I'll do what Bobby does, you guys. I'm being like faux Bobby. Huh. <laughs> for Melissa. You're supposed to say what? bye. You're supposed to say oh. goodbye. Bye. <laughs> and Mara. Hasta la vista. And me. This has been Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>